Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Drexel Show. We're back after a two-week hiatus. We were last here on March 5th. It's now March 19th, 7.30 p.m. We started almost half an hour late. I guess a full half an hour if you count the song, which the chat room says is gay, but I don't care. That's missing persons from the early 80s, about 30 years ago. But we're back. If you remember two weeks ago, I had a hard time speaking because I had a sore throat and a cold. That is now gone. A lot of topics to cover tonight, partially because I've been gone for two weeks from the radio and partly because uh, I just have a lot to say. Unfortunately, there will not be anyone else regularly speaking with me tonight because I have no co-host. 
Brandon Drexel Gerson, who had originally scheduled his return for today, and I didn't want to announce that, but he had originally scheduled his return for today, uh, has had to put it off, but told me today that he does intend to return to the show very soon. So uh, don't worry about that. I will take some phone calls tonight. Part of the reason we started late is because the Mount Charleston phone has had some problems recently. The snow's melting up there, and that, that old phone isn't doing too well. But uh, I got it working, and I wanted to make sure that worked because a lot of people call in on that when they do call in. So um, I'll give out the phone numbers, but before I do that, I want to tell everyone about our free roll starting in just eight minutes. 7.40 Pacific Time. It is the No Fraud Online Poker Room. There is a free roll tonight. Uh, not a very big one, admittedly, but a free roll nonetheless. I want to thank Dirty Ernie, and uh, I also want to thank Hockey Guy, because uh, they both sent money for the free roll. And uh, embarrassingly, oh, I just got a co-host offer. That's good. I'm going to accept it. I just got a co-host offer from Mark Chinamaniac. So I'm definitely going to take him up on that one and connect him on in a second. But the embarrassing thing is I don't even know how much the free roll is for because I got a donation at the last minute and I never checked how much it is. I got $5 from Dirty Ernie and I got some money from Hockey Guy and I'm looking right now and it looks like uh, how come I don't see any money from Hockey Guy. I'm very confused. <laughs> well, um, whatever Hockey Guy sent... Uh, oh, here we are. I found it. $25. Thank you, Hockey Guy. So $30 free roll tonight. I'm just going to make up the prize pool right now as I'm speaking. The prize pool uh, is going to be... Let's see. $15 for first, 10 for second, 5 for third. There you go. Anything else that got donated, you'll have to be waiting till next week. Oh, Pikachar donating $5, so we'll also throw $5 in fourth. So thank you, Pikachar. $35 free roll. Thank you, Pikachar. Of course, as always, we are producing the show as the show's going on. Even when the show starts up 30 minutes late, that's just how we do things here. Anyway, uh, 7.34, it does start in six minutes, so make sure to get over there. You need an account registered on Poker Fraud Alert as of May 21st, 2012, to qualify for the free money. If you can't qualify for the free money that way, send me a PM to Dan Druff on Poker Fraud Alert and send a PM to, or send an email to dandruff at pokerfraudalert.com. You can do that too. And uh, tell me how long you've been listening to the show or reading the site and tell me some things you've enjoyed here, either in the forum or the radio show or on previous radio shows that I've hosted and I will give you an exception to qualify for this or other free rolls. I also want to thank Action for donating $10. I guess we're up to a $45 free roll. So this is a decent free roll now. Thank you, Action. Thank you, Pikachar. Thank you, Dirty Ernie. And thank you, Hockey Guy. $45 free roll. The new prize payouts, which I'm going to make up right now, 20 for first, uh, 13 for second, 7 for third, 5 for fourth. So there you go. $45. 20, 13, 7, and 5 are the four payouts. So thank you to our very generous users who donate money. <laughs> and uh, SimpDog, okay, SimpDog is sending $5. We'll also give $5 for fifth. So thank you, SimpDog. So, uh, so everybody get in there quickly. Five minutes till the free roll starts. So at, at the last minute, we got a lot of donations here, and I appreciate them all. So uh, anyway, 
Now that that's been announced, the free roll, I had to quickly get that out of the way before it starts. There is no late registration. Uh, as I was saying, Brandon will return next week. Uh, Seriously Serious, who I offered to co-host the show again, he's done a great job. Can't do it tonight. He is in the chat room, but he, he won't have the time tonight to d- devote to the show. It will be a long show. And uh, China Maniac, welcome to stay on as long as he likes his co-host. He said uh, he'll be ready in a few minutes. I appreciate that offer. It's all, all coming together at the last minute here. As I was playing that song, the gay song, as all you said in the chat room, I had no co-host. I didn't know how much the free roll money was or who gave it. But now we have $50 for the free roll, much of which was donated in the last few seconds, and a co-host. Amazing how this all comes together in just a few minutes. All right, let me go over what we're going to talk about tonight. A lot of stuff to do, a lot of stuff to talk about. I'm going to try to mix in both some entertaining aspects of the show and some serious aspects of the show, which that's my favorite type of show. I don't like a show that's just all joking around in entertainment because... uh, I like there being serious things on this show, so people who listen for that reason get that out of it. There's a lot of people who hate the entertaining stuff. They hate the comedy here. It's not that they don't really find it funny. It's that they they listen to this show because they want to hear about news and events in poker, especially ones related to scams or scandals or fraud. And uh, when they don't get that, they get frustrated. Other people find it boring if that's all I talk about. I like doing both, so we're going to have both tonight. At least we're going to attempt to. Here's the topics for tonight. Greg Raymer, the guy with a very wholesome image, 2004 World Series of Poker champion, won the year after Moneymaker, came close in 05. I think he finished like 20th in the main event. And uh, big-time spokesman for the PPA. Uh, Really a guy without reproach. He was a very good spokesman for the game, seemed like a wholesome guy, didn't seem at all like a degenerate. Hell, the guy even fought off some uh, robbers who followed him up to his room at the Bellagio. Remember that? And, uh, you know, he's a big guy, of course. And uh, he, he actually knocked one of them to the ground with a knife to him. That, that's pretty ballsy to do when people got a knife on you. And there's nobody else in the hallway, just you and the two guys with the knife. And you knock one of them down rather than go in the room with them. So, and they ran off and later they got arrested. A few months later, they got him. So, I mean, this, this guy uh, really had... There was really little he could criticize Raymer for. Now, I know he was no longer uh, with Poker Stars. A while back, Poker Stars dropped him, which I found a little bit odd. Because he still he was still relevant. Like I, I understand if they drop a guy like Tom McAvoy, who hasn't done anything in 30 years. But Greg Raymer, I mean, everybody knows him. Anyway, uh, Raymer was dropped from Poker Stars, but that's not the story, obviously. The story, as most of you have heard, is that Greg Raymer got caught up in a prostitution scandal, and we'll talk about that first tonight. But first, I also want to tell you guys what else we're going to talk about tonight. I was a victim of a scam. Not a poker scam. Not even a gambling scam. Not a Nigerian scam. I was a victim of a spa scam at a Caesars property. A spa scammed me. I'll tell you about that, and I'll tell you about the fallout from that scam. The full tilt reimbursement process has begun. You know that full tilt money that we all lost after Black Friday? Stuck on the site because the money that was supposed to be there to pay us was actually gone. Howard and Ray and friends spent it. Well, 
the reimbursement process has begun. The government is going to start reimbursing us. When? Is it going to be today? Tomorrow? Next week? No. It's going to be a long time. They're just starting the process, which is going to be a very long process. So nobody's going to get paid anytime soon, but they have started the process. I'll explain what's going on with that. Lock poker. Remember I said lock poker is broke? Lock poker must have no money. All these weird things they're doing with this uh, fair play technology and segregating tables and, and the slow payouts for people not in the U.S. and people in the U.S. Uh, I said this is definitely indicative of them having very little money. Well, I was right. I said they probably are behind with paying their skins. I was right. I wish I wasn't for all of you who played on lock poker. But uh, Lock Poker is apparently failing to pay its skins, and they're really in big trouble. I'll talk about that. Um, a lot of you like the Chico Loco prank call character that I do, but I didn't invent Chico Loco. Chico Loco was actually invented as part of a terrible reality show that this guy was producing, uh, starring Johnny Chan, and even featuring Doyle Brunson, a really, really embarrassingly bad attempt at a reality poker show that never went anywhere. We played it on the show and commented on it and laughed at it. Well, guess what? There's another awful attempted poker reality show in the works. I don't know why they they keep coming out with these, and I, I don't know why all these reality shows. Like, even Jennifer Harmon was in one on uh, TLC. At least that one really aired, but it was a big failure, and it was terrible, too. Anyway, there's another one coming out called Living the Life. I'll be playing the trailer of that and commenting on it, uh, as well as... Uh, China Maniac, if he's still with me, he can chime in too. Poker Boss Pro. What is that? Well, it's a new live staking site. And according to Alan Kessler, a revolutionary concept. The first time ever that you can buy pieces of live pros through the internet. He must not know about Chip Me Up and a bunch of other sites that have done that for years. But anyway, you can buy pieces of Chris Moneymaker, Doug Lee, Many others. Think of a washed-up Busto TV Pro. You might find him on Poker Boss Pro. But there's a little twist that a lot of you don't know about Poker Boss Pro that I was informed of right before the show. You might know about Poker Boss Pro if you read 2 Plus 2, but I bet you don't know this extra twist, which I haven't even posted about on Poker Fraud Alert yet. I'm going to talk about that. Um, remember Matt Marifiati? No, we're not going to talk about him again, but a very similar situation when he freaked out after Lauren Kling and him split up during last year's World Series. He accused her of cheating on him and having a hairy asshole and stuff like that. Well, we have another Twitter tilt involving a poker boyfriend and girlfriend. Kevin McPhee and Liv Bory had a breakup, and it's all over Twitter. I'll talk about that. An Australian casino was hit with a $32 million scam. I'll touch on that a little bit. Someone sent me a bunch of celebrity phone numbers that came from some website that, you know, some shady website that, uh, like, leaks information. Not WikiLeaks, but something kind of like WikiLeaks. Someone sent me a bunch of phone numbers of celebrities. I have a feeling they've probably been abused to death by now and changed, but we'll give them a shot. I'll just run through them quickly and see what we can reach. The only one I don't want to call on that list is Michelle Obama, for obvious reasons. I'm never going to prank the president or the president's wife, because I prefer to stay out of jail. Bitcoin. Bet you didn't think I'd talk about Bitcoins on this show. Bitcoins have hit around $60 on Mt. Gox, the exchange for them. 
what's the deal with bitcoins and how do I feel about them now, now that the value has skyrocketed in the past month or so? I'll tell you my opinion on the subject. Jerry Yang, he apparently is broke. There's an IRS auction involving a lot of his personal effects, including his bracelet. Not good news for Jerry Yang, who also has a restaurant in Merced, California, that uh, has some very mixed reviews. We'll talk about that. And anything else that comes up. A big, big agenda tonight, as you just heard. And I will keep talking about all these things until we're done. We'll also take phone calls. Here are the two phone numbers. 775-FRAUD-55. That's the first number. 775-372-8355. And the Mount Charleston number. The one I was trying to get fixed before this show. It's working again, apparently, according to the Mount Charleston Phone Company. 702-430-1808. is our Mount Charleston line. Sitting high atop Mount Charleston, the mountain that hangs over Las Vegas. There really is a mountain over Las Vegas. I'm not kidding. 702-430-1808. That works now. And you can call me on that phone if you want, or the main number... Make sure whenever you call me, whatever number you use, show your caller ID with star 82. Speaking of calling, I'm going to call our co-host on Skype. and I'm happy to have him here tonight because I, I hate having to do the whole thing myself. It sucks. And one of the biggest reasons it sucks is because I have to do everything. I have to take the phone calls. I have to read the chat. I have to uh, bring up all the sound effects. And it's hard to do all of this without little lulls in the show and making it sound unprofessional. You know, when you listen to radio shows, even podcasts, they usually have someone behind the scenes operating something. When you do it all yourself, it's tough. So I have someone here to take a little bit of the burden off me, at least with the talking. Uh, Mark, China Maniac, hello. Hey, what's up, Drop? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, let's. I, I don't know how well the... Uh, let me see how you're showing up on the sound meter. Go, go ahead and talk again. All right. I'm speaking. Yeah, it sounds pretty good. If uh, they don't think you're loud enough or too loud, I'll adjust your sound in the chat room. Okay. But thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, they said turn up his volume, so I'm going to turn up your volume. Let's see here. Okay, I, I just turned you as loud as you can go. All right, sounds good. Okay. Yeah, someone said you sound like you have a Darth Vader, a Darth Vader mask on. So that's not good. But now, you sound okay <laughs> to me now. All right, so uh, let me just jump right into the first subject on our agenda, the subject that's been talked about not just all over the poker world, but even on TMZ and in newspapers around the world. Greg Raymer was nailed in a North Carolina prostitution sting. Now, initially, the story was more shocking because it wasn't just a prostitution sting. It was a male prostitution sting. So not only did we all think that Greg Gramer frequented prostitutes, we also thought he was gay and in the closet, despite being married, which is pretty bad. You know, if you're gay, that's fine. But uh, if you're gay, you should not be married to a woman and paying for dudes to have sex with you behind her back. That's never good. But it turns out it's probably not the case that Greg Gramer is gay. He probably is straight. Um, initially, this is the article. 
It said a former winner of the World Series of Poker was arrested in a male prostitution sting at a Wake Forest, that's in North Carolina, hotel earlier this week, according to police. A Wake Forest Department spokesperson said Gregory Paul Raymer, 48, was one of six men who responded to an advertisement posted by undercover police on a website often used by prostitutes. Raymer, nicknamed Fossil Man, is best known for winning the 2004 World Series of Poker main event. Bond for the men was set at $1,000, which is not very much. I mean, I, I would think that Bond would be a little higher than that. Uh, I, I wouldn't expect it to be something like... $1 million. But I'd expect more than 1000 But uh, it, it came out later that uh, this was a mistake and that there were two stings... I don't know if the same hotel or, or very close together, but the Wake Forest Police Department did two stings. One was about male prostitutes and one was about female prostitutes. And uh, from the person who originally broke the story, it was not male prostitutes where uh, Raymer was soliciting. It was actually female prostitutes. Now, of course, uh, people were mixed in their feelings about that once the truth came out. Is this bad or, or does it not matter? Uh, Greg Raymer, by the way, was listed as 360 pounds when he was arrested, which is not surprising. Someone said, oh my god, 360. I didn't know he's 360. Well, I'm sure he's 360. I'm sure he's at least 360. Uh, it, keep in mind, I talked about my diet here uh, on this, uh, and I know you're on one too here, Mark. Um, yeah. He, he's I, very short too. Oh, is he that short? See, I, I've, I don't remember standing next to him. I've, I've stood next to him before, but I don't remember his height. I was going to say, though, that you know, if I weigh or weighed 230 before this diet... And, and Raymer is way, way fatter than I am. Uh, there's no chance that uh, 360 is an inaccurate number for him, at least not on the high side. Uh, now, you right. said he's short, so that does influence it a lot. I, I would estimate his height. I mean, probably, I, I've walked by him a few times at the Rio. I would say 5'7", maybe 5'8", max, but probably even I'd lean 5'6", five, 5'7". Five, but you got to remember, this guy has probably zero muscle on him. He's just a big ball of fat. Yeah, he so. really he really is very fat. So 360 is not a surprise. Now, uh, he is married, as I mentioned, and uh, I, I don't know if this is a case of uh, just a typical thing where a guy's cheating on his wife and using prostitutes or uh, if for some reason there's no sex in their marriage anymore. Maybe, uh, maybe there's even a physical problem. I saw a picture of his wife. She's not small either. Um, maybe they can have sex because of their size. And, uh, and yeah, there is something in the conviction about, or not the conviction, the, the charge about crimes against nature, which is what made people think that it was about something gay. Because in the South, they have all these laws, these archaic laws against deviant sex, where it's actually a crime. And, and deviant sex even includes homosexuality, which is uh, uh, you know very accepted these days in most of the country, but in North Carolina and some areas in the South it's still very much frowned upon, or there's old laws in the books that still uh, have a lot of statutes against things like homosexuality. So homosexuality does fall under the crime against nature charge, but it can be other things. For example, oral sex from a woman to a man is a, considered a crime against nature if you uh, pay for it. Not if it's like from your wife, but... Uh, uh, so it, it's very possible that maybe he was paying to get a blowjob from this undercover officer. We don't know the details yet. At least I, I haven't heard them. Maybe someone in the chat room knows more. But, um, by the way, Bobby Orr is taking exception to what Chinese Maniac said. 
He said he's not 5'7", he's well over 6 feet. You guys are way off. But uh, Chinese Maniac's saying he towered over him and he's 6'1". And I'm I pretty sure, I mean, I'm pretty sure I walked by him a couple times and I was taller than him. I'm 6'1", but I know for maybe it was from looking at him at uh, sitting at poker table. I saw him sitting at a poker table once by himself. Maybe he just looked shorter because he was so round. But um, just off memory, I remember him being short. But Yeah, uh, yeah. okay. But I'm and, actually googling pictures of him right now to see if I can, uh, <laughs> try to you know, solve the get, get him next to somebody comparable. Yeah, solve the mystery here. So um, anyway, a- after the uh, the outrage, or I shouldn't say outrage, the shock subsided regarding the male prostitute thing, and and it was generally accepted that he probably wasn't gay and it was just a regular prostitution thing. Um, there's no more question as to whether or not Greg was really guilty. He actually made a statement through his attorney that he's sorry, basically. Uh, the, sto- the statement through his attorney said this, Mr. Raymer is very sorry for this lapse in judgment. He regrets deeply the pain that he caused his family, friends, and fans. Mr. Raymer is grateful for the many expressions of support he received. That was the rest of the statement. So, Greg Raymer, apparently, I am sure this is not his first visit to a prostitute. And keep in mind, he spent a lot of time in Las Vegas, too. So, there's a lot of poker players who go to prostitutes. And, uh, you know, how do I feel about that? I don't care. Uh, if people want to go to prostitutes in their spare time, fine. Um, I, I do think it's kind of crappy to do this behind your wife's back. If you really want to do these things, you should be single. Unless you know, unless your wife knows about it is okay. But in that point, I, in, that, in that case, I don't see why you should even be married. But I have a feeling his wife did not know. And uh, what makes me wonder, though, the, the thing that really gets me is if you're Greg Raymer, how do you go? How do you go get a prostitute and and expect not the word to eventually get out? How do you expect to not be recognized by one of these hookers, who then will tell one of her friends, "Hey, guess who I guess who I serviced the other night, Greg Raymer." Like, it's got to get back. Like, I've never been to a prostitute, and I I'm not going to call myself famous because I'm not. But even from the limited exposure I have had on TV. Um, especially in the poker world, especially like in the Las Vegas area, I would actually be afraid to get a prostitute in the Vegas area because I'd be afraid that, uh, you know, maybe one of these hookers has seen me on TV or, or, or follows poker and knows who I am and, and the word will get out. I, even I'd be afraid, and, and I'm pretty much an unknown. Greg Raymer, I mean, if I was Greg Raymer, I'd be terrified anywhere in the United States to get a prostitute. Forget the police part of it. I'm, I'm talking about just uh, word getting around. In, unless, as I said, it was possible, maybe his wife knew about it. But a lot of guys do dumb things. I mean, if you think about it, Elliot Spitzer, the former governor of New York, <laughs> got prostitutes. I mean, how do you expect that one not to get caught? Right. So some guys are just stupid with it. It's risky business. Yeah, exactly. So... Uh, uh, Bubbles is saying in the chat, these hookers don't remember eight years back, Druff. Yeah, maybe he's right. Like, If I get like a young hooker, 
If I got like a hooker who's like 21, she probably wouldn't remember me from TV in uh, 2005. Even if she saw me spinning a seat cover, she probably won't remember me. Maybe, <laughs> maybe that's what I have to do. If I want to get a hooker, I have to make sure they're young. It's got to be someone who won't remember 2005 very well. That, that should be my requirement. I, I don't care what she looks like. I don't care how good her performance is or what the price is. I just care... I just care that uh, the price, or sorry, I, I just care that she doesn't remember 2005. <laughs> anyway, yeah, he's not, it's not like he's, uh, I mean, he's famous in a sense, but, you know, it's been a while, and, um, you know, how would somebody even, like, exploit that? How would it get out even if somebody told their friends, like, uh, it would just be tough, I think it would be tough for it to get out without him getting caught, you know I what know. I mean? Yeah, maybe, maybe I'm just paranoid, I'm just... I would just be afraid that the word would get out somehow if I was as famous as Greg Raymer is. So, yeah, even you though never it's know. been for even though it's been nine years since he won the World Series main event, still I, I would be afraid. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyway. and that, that's where he lives too, North Carolina, yeah. right? So, yeah. Wow, I wonder what spurred what spurred him to move down to North Carolina. I always thought he was like a Connecticut guy. He played at Foxwoods a lot. I heard. I never saw. I think I maybe saw him down there once after he won the main event. But um, wonder how he like. What's in North Carolina? Like, why move there? Um, especially when he was uh, like a poker stars pro. You know what I mean? Uh, just seems like an odd place to live for. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know all that much about his personal life, but I did find odd, totally unrelated to the story, was his departure from poker stars. It was just very abrupt. At the time, it didn't really make sense. And uh, it was before Black Friday, so it wasn't from that. And he just he just vanished. He just abruptly vanished and was not part of Team Poker Stars anymore. Almost like he had a falling out with them or something. And it, it just seems strange. And it's not like he he immediately went and signed somewhere else. And not, not like Full Tilt grabbed him or something. He just left. He was just gone. I thought that was weird. I thought uh, because they maybe been... they maybe they knew he was getting hookers all the yeah. time. <laughs> It'd be funny if they're like, oh boy, I know what's going to come soon. One day he's going to be in the news. <laughs> Poker stars are smart. I'll give them credit. Like maybe they saw this years in advance. Yeah. But uh, yeah, someone was uh, mentioning Tiger Woods, who, by the way, is uh, apparently engaged again to a woman who looks very similar to uh, his, his last wife. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Tiger Woods had sex with you know, at least twenty women, just you know, regular women who, you know, obviously weren't going to keep their mouths shut. I mean, it's hard right. enough if you're Tiger Woods, and and you have a woman on the side to get one woman to keep her mouth shut. But how do you right. get like twenty women to keep their mouths shut? I mean, there's just a lot of people. I guess he's not engaged. I guess he's just dating. Um, but it, it's just it's amazing how some of these guys just think it won't get caught. They just think it won't get found out when they're that famous. So I, I guess compared to people like Tiger Woods and uh, and Elliot Spitzer, I guess I guess that uh, when, when you know when I was saying she's similar to his. Wife, I mean, like her facial look. I don't mean her body. I know she's more, much more athletic. But uh, she, uh, someone, she's an Olympic, Olympic athlete, right? Yeah. Someone said on uh, in the chat room, Bobby Orr said that poker stars let him go because him and Negranu hate each other. Hmm. I wonder what the backstory is on that. If it's true. But yeah, it was. I mean, it was a very quick departure, and it was weird. I'll say that. So, uh, this is really going to hurt his reputation. Because he was seen as such a clean, wholesome guy. Right. If it was one of these degenerate types, like, who would give a crap? Like, let's say Gus Hansen was caught with a prostitute. Like, would anyone even blink? No. Like, you know, you, you kind of expect that. But Yeah, this uh, guy just seemed like he was always about the right thing, always said the right things, very nice guy. Just one of the last guys you'd 
expect something like that for. But, um, I mean, there's always openings at Lock Poker for pros. So, <laughs> you know, you can sign right up over there. They're signing people every other week. So that's, he's that's all true. set. That's true. He's, he's still got some opportunities. But, uh, you know, he, he's got – like he'll be at the World Series. And, you know, I'm sure he's going to be kind of embarrassed. And, again, because of who he is. It's, it's not like a – a Gus Hansen or a Devilfish type getting in trouble for this. This is uh, this is someone who was not supposed to be doing something like this. Whole, the wholesome married guy, the the face of non degeneracy in poker, and uh, it's, uh, I'm sure he's not feeling very happy right now that this came out. And I wonder how his wife's going to take this. Like I I always wonder about these wives that stick by their husbands when they're caught something like this. You would think they just like instantly leave. Right. Especially if they get a lot of money yeah. out of it. Yeah, unless it's like a bad marriage or something like that. You know, if they're like really close and tight, then, yeah, that would be probably be pretty difficult. But, you know, a lot of some people stay married and, um, you know, just don't get along with their spouse or whatever. So, I don't know. Well, it would be interesting to see which route this takes. Or, yeah. So, uh Anyway, that that happened. Not, not much more to say about it. It would be much more interesting to discuss if he was actually going to male prostitutes, but uh, right. that apparently was not the case. At least uh, at least Greg Raymer is not cheating on his wife with men. So, uh, uh, speaking of cheating, a different type of cheating recently occurred, but uh, not involving infidelity. Involved uh, me getting cheated at a spa. This is such a weird story. Um, I, I've been to a few different secret locations over the past two weeks. That's the main reason I wasn't around last week. Uh, I first went to Hawaii, and uh, then shortly after getting back from Hawaii, I went to the Harris Rincon in northern San Diego County. Now, the Harris Rincon is uh, obviously a Caesars property, and I got a bunch of nice offers from there. I got an offer for free play. I got an offer for... I can always stay there free because of being a 7-star. But uh, free play, free food, and a $150 spa credit. So I was only there for the weekend from Friday to Sunday. And I was trying to squeeze in the spa, the time at the spa, along with their schedule. Which was very tough because they had some promotion going on over there that had nothing to do with my promotion. But uh, some locals promotion over there and it was really jammed. And the spa was really jammed. So the spa, when I first called them for my appointment, told me, sorry, we, we don't have 90 minutes. You know, 90 minutes was what you get for, for $150, a 90-minute massage. They said, we don't have that. We only have a 50-minute massage. So I said, all right, well, if, if that's what you can give me, give me that. So they had me on the 50-minute massage to give me a 90 if a spot opened up. They put me on the waiting list. And there's a reason I'm telling this part of the story. Uh, they called me up on Saturday afternoon and said, guess what? A spot open for you. And now at 9 a.m. on Sunday, you can come in right when they open and get your 90-minute massage. Now, the way 90-minute massages work over there is that 90-minute massages are really 80-minute massages. And that you basically have 90 minutes to complete them. So if your appointment is at 9, you have a 9 to 10.30 block there. Sometime between that 9 to 10.30 block you can get 80 minutes of massage. So you can go from 9.10 to 10.30, you can go from 9 sharp to 10.20, or anything like that. 9.05, 10.25, you know what I'm saying. Uh, so that's, that's the way it worked. I understood that. I got there a little bit late. I got into the room with a massage, you know, in my robe and, uh, and slippers there, at 9.13, meaning that uh, 
if they massaged me all the way up to the end of my appointment time of 10.30, I'd be getting 77 minutes. So I figured, all right, fine. You know, it's my fault for being late. If, uh, if they want to quit at 10.30 sharp, even though the 80 minutes hadn't passed, no problem. If they wanted to, you know, do the full 80 minutes anyway, cool. So I, I didn't even discuss it. I just got it on the table. I saw a flash, I, not flash, I saw a clock, a digital clock, right there in the room saying 9.13. Got on the table, got the massage. It was an okay massage. wasn't great, wasn't bad. Uh, the only thing that was weird about the massage is it was over a lot quicker than I expected. It just seemed like time flew. And I'm like, wow, you know, I, I know I, I enjoy the massages and maybe it made the time seem like it's passing faster. It just doesn't feel like it's 10.30 already. But I had no watch with me, no cl- no phone, no nothing in that massage room that's back in my locker. So, you know, I, I, I get up and I think, well, I'll just look at that clock that I saw when I walked in. But the clock was off. Now, but, now the, the masseuse had walked out of the room, so I couldn't ask her what happened to the clock. But the clock was there, but it was turned off. I'm thinking, how did that clock fail in between the time when my massage started and now? We're talking about like... Uh, it was supposed to be an 80-minute period. How's the, how's the clock just happen to break during that time? It's just really weird. It was still plugged in. It was really weird. So I said, all right, I guess I'll go to my locker and see what time it is. So I went to my locker, pulled out my phone, and it said 10.16, which meant that I only got about 60 minutes of massage instead of 80. So I was really pissed. This wasn't just like shorting me of a few minutes. And then I figured out that obviously they must have turned off the clock so I wouldn't notice. So... Um, I went to the manager, and I said, hey, and keep in mind, this is a Caesars property. This is, I wouldn't even be telling this story if this is some sort of like back alley massage parlor and they screwed me. I mean, who cares? But th- this is a Caesars property, and unlike a lot of other properties where the spa is a third-party spa that uh, is just renting the space from Caesars, this is actually a spa owned by Caesars. It's, it's a spa that belongs to Harris Rincon. And some of you might be saying, well, what? You, you, hey, you cheap Jew. You got the spa for free. You got the massage for free anyway. How dare you complain about this? Well, that's not true. First of all, the spa gets fully paid the $150 from Total Rewards, which is the Players Club at Caesars. So even though the company doesn't make money directly from me, uh, the spa itself, which is almost like, has like a separate budget, it gets paid. $150 just as if I walked in with cash. So they owe me the same service that they would uh, anybody else. doesn't matter if I come in with a, with a comp slip. Uh, so as I said, the comp isn't free. They actually get the money. And right. you, say, you say, well, I, you know, still I got the money for free from Caesars. No, I didn't get it for free because the reason they're giving me this money is not because Caesars thinks I'm a great guy, not because Caesars is generous. Caesars gave it to me as a comp in exchange for playing negative expectation games there where they expect to make money from me. And that, yeah, I'm a seven star, and you, they don't give you a seven star for sitting there playing in the poker room. So, uh, these these are the this was a free massage the same way your drinks are free at the blackjack table. You you know you're you're just paying for them in a different way. So, anyway, getting back to the story, the masseuse there, or not the masseuse, the the manager agrees with me that when I was out there talking to her, there's no way I could be out there talking to her this early before ten twenty. If my massage did not short me, I said, even if I was here right at nine o'clock, it should still be going on. She said, yeah, you're right. Well, uh, she said she would look into it. In the meantime, she said she would give me a 50 minute uh, credit for the next time I came in, which is stupid because, uh, you know, I'm not going to come back for a long time, but there's not much more they can do because I, you know, it's not like they give me money off since uh, 
everything was already comped. They weren't going to hand me money out of the cash register. I wouldn't expect that. So they, she said, you know, hey, we'll give you a 50-minute massage next time for free. So I said, all right, fine. Just one thing I'd like you to do. I'd like you to look into this after I leave and call me and tell me what you determined happened here. Why, why did the clock go off? Why was I shorted so much time? So she said, okay, fine. <laughs> so she called me back, and she said, well, the masseuse said the clock was still on when she walked out, and it said 1019. So yes, she shorted you anyway, but the clock was on. And I said, no, it wasn't. I didn't make this up. The clock was clearly off. And, and so even if it was on, even if her story's true, she still admits it was 1019, which still shorts me by a lot of time. Why did she say she did that? And they're like, well, I don't know. I, you know, I did, you know, hey, I gave you that 50 minutes. Why don't we just not worry? But I knew there was something fishy going on here. So I kept pressing it during the phone call. I, I, was, I, I was getting some really ludicrous answers, like maybe the clock was wrong because of daylight savings time. I was like, you got to be kidding me. So I finally got pissed at the manager, and I said, look, I'm tired of being lied to here. I'm tired of being snowed here. I was intentionally cheated here at a massage time. And as Caesar's property, this isn't some shady you know, spa that uh, you know, would it be expected to do crap like this. You're supposed to adhere to uh, Caesar's corporate policies here and not, not cheat your uh, best gamblers here. Why was I cheated here? So finally the truth came out. She didn't directly tell me, but she said, well, we did have an appointment at 1030 and the masseuse needed time to get ready and change the sheets. And I'm like, aha. So I figured it out. What happened was somebody canceled that appointment at 9 a.m. But that was only an hour appointment. They didn't verify this, but I figured it all out. They must have had an hour appointment at 9 a.m. that somebody canceled. And then they realized I wanted a 90-minute appointment. And they're like, crap, we, we really don't have time for that. But let's just squeeze it in. Let's just squeeze it in uh, right right up against that 10.30 appointment and just uh, cut him short so we have time to get ready for the person at 10.30 so we're not late for them and hope he won't notice. We'll just pull, pull the plug on the clock or not pull it off, but turn off the clock and hope he doesn't notice. And if he does, you know, give give him a card and uh, for the uh, free thing next time, I'd hope he doesn't get pissed. Yeah, they probably thought that you w- uh, wouldn't say anything either because it was a comp, and they were probably like, "Oh, he's getting comped." So, you know, even if he does find out, he won't maybe he won't say anything. But I love the fact that they unplugged the clock on you. That, yeah, that was what got me the angriest. That if it hadn't been for the clock, I probably I would have <laughs> I would have said something. I probably would have gone up and said, "Hey, I got shorted by fifteen to twenty minutes here." But but if they said, "Okay, sorry about that. Here's fifty minutes for next time," even though I may not go back there for a long time. Like, I probably would have just accepted it and moved on. It was the fact that they pulled that freaking clock that pissed me off. Because this is the, this is them saying, we know we're screwing this guy. We know if he sees what we're doing to him, he's going to be pissed. So let's let's hide the evidence. Let's not just short him time. Let's hide the evidence. And again, this is a freaking Caesar's spa. This right. is not at Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas, but, but a Caesar's corporation-owned spa. They shouldn't. Right. They're doing this to a freaking seven star, and I don't care if I'm a bronze star, or whatever the hell. I guess gold, whatever it is down down at uh, their, their bottom level of a players club. I don't care who it is. You should not be cheating people in the casino spa, especially in a corporate property like this, where they they should be adhering to the corporate standards. So I was I was really pissed, and I was really pissed that uh, they didn't own up to it afterwards and told me stories about daylight savings time, and the whole thing got me really mad. So um, I, I finally demanded to speak to the hotel manager who the spa manager reports to, and I told him the whole story. And he was lied to. They told him that I was mad because I showed up late and didn't get my full massage time. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what the hell? So, like, what did they think? I wasn't going to clarify it? So so I clarified the whole thing to him. He believed me, and at the, at the end he said, all right, well, you know, I'll, I'll give you... Haven't we just 
repeat the whole 80 minute massage next time you come for free. And I said, okay, that's good, but there's one more thing I'd like. I want you guys to pay my tip. And he said, you want us to pay your tip? Why is that? And I said, this is why. I said, I'm a Jew, and there's no way I want to pay a tip on a massage that I'm only getting because you guys screwed up the first time. I sh- this shouldn't be out of pocket at all for me. But at the same time, being a Jew and understanding the value of money, I don't feel that uh, the person who gives me the makeup massage should get screwed either. I mean, they're working a lot for tips, so I don't want to see them not get tipped. So I want the spa to tip whoever massages me next time instead of me tipping them. And the manager said, okay. So that's what's going to happen. And I told... I told the manager, I'm sure this is not an isolated incident. I'm sure they short people all the time here. you got you got to watch out here because, uh, you know, you're going to piss off some high-stakes camp- gamblers here. And they may never come back to any Caesars property if they think this is the way business gets done here. And it's going to be a terrible reflection on you, especially if it gets back that this is happening in your property. And that's why these people aren't coming back. And, you know, I, I would get rid of anybody here who is doing this sort of thing. And, and people have asked me, hey, why are you trying to get revenge here? Why do you want to get people fired? Why are you such an asshole? Look... If you're going to steal from me in any way, I don't care if you're stealing from me through a comp. If, if I'm getting a 90-minute massage and you intentionally short me about 25% of it and turn off the clock so I can't see, yes, I'm going to tell your boss that you tried to steal from me in this fashion, and if you get fired, tough. The next time you have a job that you're doing, don't cheat the person. Don't rip people off at your job, and you won't get fired. I have no f- sympathy for anyone who gets fired because they were trying to cheat someone, trying to cheat one of the customers. Right. So, uh, and I, I know why they did it, because they didn't want the 9 a.m. slot to just be left open. Because I had a 10 a.m. massage scheduled for 50 minutes, but uh, they'd much rather put me at 9 a.m. when they open, and they're unlikely to get a walk-in at that point, right, when they open, make sure it gets finished, and, and actually get extra money, because they get a 90-minute payment out of me rather than a 60-minute. Because if I gave them my comp slip for the 50-minute, they, they couldn't get the whole 150 out of the comp. They could only get whatever that normally costs. So it just really got me angry. And uh, and the cover-up especially got me angry. And the manager giving me BS stories instead of just owning up to it and telling me the truth got me angry. And uh, what really got them scared, it was interesting, I threatened to go to my host in Las Vegas and report it to my host and have them, you know, have my host kind of take it up the corporate ladder and, and let them all know what's going on over in that property. And this freaked them the hell out over there. The, the spa manager was terrified when I said that. The hotel manager was very concerned when I said that. They, they were very worried I was going to do that. So some people so, are saying, I'm sorry. I, I had a question. Do you have to use that comp at that particular casino? Yes. It was issued okay. by them. It was a, it, some people may wonder how the accounting works here. Uh, the property itself, the total rewards, which is the Players Club for all of Caesars, there's total rewards based out of each... <laughs> Caesar's own property. So this one has its own total rewards, even though it's all in one system. And they issue their own coupons. So they issued all this stuff to me, and total rewards is the one footing the bill. They're the ones who paid for the massage. They're the ones who paid for my free food. They're the ones who paid for my free slot play that they gave me. Um, it, it all comes out of total rewards bill. And um, total rewards issues these things in order to get me down there and, and gamble and, and hoping to make more money from me gambling there 
than they're giving me in comps here, that they're actually paying these other departments for. So when the spa gets my $150 comp, they really get $150 into the spa's account, as if I paid for it myself. Uh, so that's uh, that's why the spa was very hungry for this entire $150, because they knew I was going to want to spend it all, because you know it was money given to me by Total Rewards, and they wanted to make sure to get it and not just get part of it by giving me a 50-minute massage. So they squeezed me in, knowing they were going to short me, and, and thought they came up with a clever way to hide it. So I, it's just really dirty. They just shouldn't do things like this. They just, just they have to understand that when you're a business that caters to gamblers, when you you don't want to piss off the best gamblers, you don't want to piss off your highest stakes players, you've got to be careful not to make people think that your organization is cheating them. You don't want a gambler to feel like when they go to Caesars, when they go to Harrah's, that they're getting ripped off by the spa or by anywhere else. You, you want them to feel like everything's on the up and up because they're playing negative EV games. They're expected to lose money. You get the money from them that way. Don't get the money from them by cheating them in the spa because that, that's, that's negative EV for the company. Because if someone gets pissed the spa's cheating them, they're probably never coming back and gambling again. And you do that to a seven-star, it's a huge mistake. And I explained that to the... Um, I explained that's especially a mistake to do to the seven-stars who, who get these vouchers uh, just to try to get a little bit more money into the spa. So that's, uh, that's very self-defeating here especially since it's, it's all coming within the same property, for just transferring one department to the other. So I don't know what he's going to do about it. Obviously, he can't tell me what, you know, who gets fired, who gets disciplined, whatever. But uh, uh, someone asked me in this forum, you know, why, why do I feel the need to get this revenge when these things happen? Why, why can't I just accept what they give me as compensation and be done with it? I, I get these, quote, revenges when... I feel like there was actually something done that was wrong to me. Not a human mistake, not just typical incompetence where someone's trying to do their job and just screws up. Um, I, I'm talking about where something intentionally is done, which is very wrong. What happened here is very wrong. You know, if someone is intentionally rude and nasty to me, that's very wrong. Um, if, if someone uses their job to punish me in some way, that's very wrong. Like, that's where I'm going to get someone in trouble. If someone just screws up accidentally, I'm never going to get them in trouble. I understand people are human. Uh, when I used to have a job, I made mistakes sometimes, and I would have been mad at anyone who went to get me fired because I made an accidental mistake. Uh, that That's a screwed up thing to do, to, when someone makes an honest mistake to try to really hold their feet to the fire for it. But uh, Almost reminds me of like when you call for delivery and they tell you 30 minutes and then they show up after an hour and then you call back and they say, oh, no, you called it like uh, – a half an hour ago, you know, we got there on time. You know, something like that. It's just yeah, I, stupid, stupid excuse so they can look right and you know. I had that. If I, I had that happen at the, that stupid uh, fix restaurant in Bellagio one time, where we had this gigantic party of poker players. I mean, gigantic. We had like thirty people. The service was ridiculously slow. It was horrible, horrible service. Even to get uh, like drinks took like thirty-five minutes. So when I complained to the manager at the end, the guy had the nerve to lie to me and tell me that we didn't sit until such and such time. He says, well, I show you got drinks at uh, 941, but uh, you didn't sit until 920. So I whipped out the receipt, or you didn't sit until 925. <laughs> I whipped out the receipt, and it says, table whatever, 909. And I say, like, what's this? He's like, oh, okay. Like, like, they, uh, like it's right on their damn receipt that I was sat at 909. He thinks I'm not going to see that. So Right. Anyway, uh that happened, and uh, I, I, the reason I'm mentioning it on this show is just uh, always watch out when you go to these spas, because these spas in general, I think, are kind of dirty, because they're used to dealing with dumb housewives 
who have rich husbands that just want to get their wives out of their hair or want their wives to be okay with their gambling habit. And uh, they just say, hey, uh, go to the spa, get a massage, go get a facial, whatever. And uh, you think these women scrutinize the bill or count minutes like this, they don't. Most of them don't give a shit. Most of them are like the opposite of, of Jewish, even if they are actually Jewish. Most of them are you know, very lax with following up on what their husband is paying for versus what they're getting. So I, I think that they get used to that over there, and they get used to the culture of screwing people. And then when they run into an aggressive Jew like me, they get very worried. They don't know what to do. Like they, they, they try the same tricks, and it fails, and then they go into a panic. So if you ever go to uh, a spa, just beware. Even if it's in a, a hotel, you wouldn't expect anything shady to happen. Uh, watch for it and always speak up because I, I, I've heard these types of things are commonplace. I, I hadn't heard about that spa in particular or Caesar's spas in particular, but uh, I've heard other stories. Anyway, uh, enough about that. Let me uh, move on to uh, a more poker-centric topic, something that I think just about everybody would be interested in. The full tilt reimbursement process. Boom. Yeah, uh, it finally started. Now, I could theoretically be the one who would be uh, processing all this for you. I actually applied for this job. I knew I wouldn't get it. I didn't put a lot of effort into applying for it. But uh, the government was soliciting bids for a claims administrator. And I said, you know what? I'd be a great claims administrator. I don't have any formal experience, but I, I know a whole lot about online poker and uh, the whole thing that happened. And I'm, I'm sure I could go over their books and like, figure out everything real fast. I'm sure I, I would do a great job at it. But, uh, of course, the government doesn't just choose me because I say I'd be good and because I'm an online poker player. I knew there's no chance, but just submitted an application for lulls. But uh, they hired a company you'd, be, you'd expect more that they would hire rather than me. A company called Garden City Group. This is uh, a statement that was uh, announced on March 14th. Preet, Preet Bara, the U.S. Attorney General for the Southern District of New York, you know, the one who was uh, behind Black Friday, announced today that the United States has retained the Garden City Group, also known as GCG, to serve as claims administrator to oversee the process of compensating eligible victims of the fraud committed by Full Tilt Poker against the United States players, which is basically saying they're going to be the ones in charge of uh, figuring out who gets paid and how to do it. Uh, Now, you may think, great, good for the government. No, not really. Uh, They were soliciting these applications due in August of 2012. So it only took them... What, like eight and a half months to get this done? Seven and a half months? Right. Whatever probably, it was. probably pulled in a couple million in interest on the money while they were at it, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure they didn't have a lot, of in, in, uh, a lot of incentive to go quickly on this one. But yeah, sometime in August is when these applications were due to become a claims administrator. And March 14th, I finally picked one, Garden City Group. Now, what about Garden City Group? What do we know about them? Garden City Group is a class action settlement company, and that kind of bothers me. Have you guys ever gotten, I'm sure everybody here has, a little postcard in the mail saying, if you bought a Dell computer between 2001 and 2006, and uh, you know, they, gave you, they sold you a warranty, uh, you are eligible to be part of the class because Dell did such and such that was against the law, and we're suing them for you know, $200 million. So the thing that sucks about class action lawsuits, it seems like a great idea on the surface that uh, when a company screws a lot of people for a, a relatively small amount of money, that uh, each individual screwed probably doesn't have the time or resources or you know, even having it be worth it to them to sue for the $10 or $100 or whatever it was that got ripped off. But if the whole group of people who got 
screwed could kind of band together in a class and a lawyer could represent them all and sue the company based on everyone's complaint over the same thing. I mean, that totally makes sense, and I'm totally for something like that being done. Unfortunately, the problem with these class action suits is the lawyers get most of the money, and a lot of times the money that the plaintiffs do get, the people who are actually affected, the people who got screwed in the first place, a lot of times you don't even get money. You get some worthless service you don't need. So like uh, if your cell phone company screws you, instead of just getting the money back that they stole from you, uh, you get back a 20-minute calling card, like whoever needs a calling card these days. Or, uh, you, know, or you, get, you get some very small percentage of what you lost in the whole thing. And, the, and yet the lawyers make tens of millions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars. So it's, the class action process, in my opinion, is something that is very good in theory but really needs to be tweaked. Because right now the lawyers make out like bandits and the people who actually are being represented by the attorneys get almost nothing. So uh, what, what concerns me here is that this really isn't a class action sort of thing. I mean, in a way it is, but in a way it isn't. Um, this is more just a company was holding a bunch of money for us, spent it all, and then the government took over their assets after busting them and then sold the assets to another company, in this case PokerStars, and pledged to use part of that money in that sale to pay back the affected parties in the United States. So the government has all the money, there shouldn't be lawyers involved. I mean, they have the money already, the government. It's just a matter of distributing it to the right people. And it bothers me a little bit that a class action settlement company has been appointed to do this because I don't want this to be handled like a class action settlement. I, we, I want to get 100%. And the government agreed to give 100%. That was their intention. And I hope that it's not going to be 100% minus whatever the Garden City Group charges the government for their time to do this. Yeah, I'm wondering how much does this group get paid to run this whole thing? Yeah, I you wonder know? too. I mean, I would have done it cheap. <laughs> yeah, I would told the government, "Hey, you know, give me, uh, uh, you know, give me the the resources to hire a few people and and, and pay, pay me uh, 250 grand. I'll get the whole thing done." But uh, I'm sure they're getting much more than that. So um, I just hope that they're not going to take that out of the money that they earmarked to give to the players and consider that part of the settlement. They don't, I hope they don't consider the cost of distribution as part of the settlement. I don't think they will because they made so much more money above what they're going to pay out to U.S. players. I mean, they, they got $750 million and uh, I think U.S. players at most are going to get 150 and I'm sure much less than that because a lot of people will, will not be filing claims, especially people with uh, small balances, which really add I, up. I have one tip, too, for anyone that needs to get their balance. Um, a lot of people are emailing full tilt, and I actually did this because I heard people were found a way to get their balances, and full tilt support told me uh, there's no way you can check out your balance. you got to wait for this group or the government or whatever. And uh, the way to do it is you just download the software at fulltiltpoker.com, go on the um, requests tab at the top of the software, click uh, account history, Put in whatever dates, so I put like 2004 until uh, all the way up until uh, the current date, whatever it was, March, whatever. I put in there of 2013, and five minutes later, I got an email saying go to go back to that tab, and uh, you go back to the tab on the software and just click the button uh, for the account history or whatever, and it just pops up in like an Excel file on your on your screen. Oh, okay, that's a good tip. So, I'm going to try that. I didn't know that myself. Yeah, but, mine way, was right on point, so... Yeah, somebody in the chat room, Garrett, said they did Deepwater, Veri- Deepwater Horizon 
for BP oil spill, they are the government, basically. This is referring to uh, Garden City Group. So uh, um, I guess Garden City Group has worked with the government before. I, I don't think they're going to pay us less than 100%, but I, I just don't like a group that's involved with class action settlements to be handling this. But it uh, doesn't matter what I like. Now, it says I can that you can register your email address to get notification with developments regarding the refund process. So I suggest everybody go to, go to www.fulltiltpokerclaims, exactly as it sounds, fulltiltpokerclaims.com, and register your email address. Or you can call a phone number, an automated information phone number. That phone number is 866 250 2640 for automated information on this matter. And hell, I shouldn't make you guys dial. I'll dial for you. Thank you for calling the Full Tilt Poker Claims Administration Helpline. You're welcome. Our offices are currently closed. What? Our regular business hours are from 8 o'clock a.m. to 6 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday. Oh, geez, we missed Thank it by you. mile. That's not an automated information line. Why did it say in in the press release from the Justice Department to call this number for automated information? That's not automated information. That's so weird. I, I never called the number before. I, I thought we were going to get like some recording saying, Thank you for calling the Full Tilt Poker Claims line. If you want to get information, go to www. I, I thought it would be something dumb like that. The government has chosen Garden City Group to serve as claims administrator to oversee the process of compensating eligible victims of the fraud committed by Full Tilt Poker. Like, I, I was sure we are going to get something like that. I was going to kind of laugh at it. But no, it's like some reach-a-live-person line that closes at 3 o'clock Pacific. Here's a couple of questions I have. Let's say uh, somebody's balance... Let's say this group says their balance is like 4800 and someone thinks... They had like five thousand. Like, I wonder how quick it would take to like settle something like that. Like, how do they settle those discrepancies? And uh, how do you feel about the? You know, some people are expecting to get paid for their points and all that other crap, which I don't believe will get paid. Um, yeah, I, I, think, I do think we're going to get screwed on the points. Probably, I, I think we should get the money, but I, I have to agree with you. It's probably likely we won't. Um, but I think as far as people who are claiming the balance is wrong. That's very interesting, and I have no idea how they're going to do it. Uh, they probably have to put you through some sort of claims process, and then they're going to have to audit Full Tilt's books, and if they don't see anything to justify your claim, then tough luck. I have to imagine in most cases anyone who makes that claim is probably full of shit. Because, right. uh, I, you know, like how often have you ever gone to a poker site and your balance is just wrong, at least a big poker site. I know some small ones have just taken money out of people's accounts. But, but the only thing that could come into play here is um, people that requested cash outs like the prior week before or the prior month before for, like, checks that never came, and then those processors got seized, and if they didn't readjust the books correctly, you know, some people could get screwed out of some money. Yeah. Uh, it's very possible. It is possible, and they they are going to have to try to figure out those, you know, I, I, that's a good question. Like, how will they know if these people really got paid or just claiming they didn't? So, right. So, I don't know. That's a good question, and I, I the, think... And the same thing, uh, look, I know some people that have checked their balances as well that had e-checks pending that were never taken out of their accounts, and the present balance doesn't show, like, for some people, that those e-checks were ever collected. So some of those uh, companies that were supposed to be processing or, you know, maybe they didn't even have processing set up 
where people are just hitting the e-check thing over and over again. Um, some people are going to get fr- like a total free roll on that and won't even have to pay the balance if they have money still left in their account. That's a good point. That's a good point that people who, if they have suspicion that people, that Full Tilt could not process their payments, will they give them the money? Now, on the flip side, there's a uh, there's a belief <laughs> by a lot of people, an incorrect belief, that all of the deposits of Full Tilt between like November 2010 and April 15, 2011 just weren't processed. That it just uh, you know, Full Tilt gave people credit but didn't take money out of their account. That's not true. In April 2011, like April 9th or something, I deposited to Full Tilt, and they took the money out of my account. So somehow they were able to process my money. And uh, so I'll be really pissed if they say, like, oh, no, you got a free deposit. I'm like, no, I didn't. Like, I hope they don't do that to me. That was a new processor. They had some new processors, I think, in 2011. But I think the main – the big problem was, like, uh, between, like, September 2010 – and for some people, all the way up until Black Friday, because they use different processors, I believe, all around the country for, like, different regions and stuff like that. Yeah, maybe so that's what it was. Yeah, I know, you, I know uh, Mikeon, when it, when he and I were friends, uh, he told me the same thing, that right around when I made the deposit, he made one, too, and they also charged him. Oh, wow. So, so yeah. yeah I, Should be pretty interesting. Yeah, so, uh, uh, but I know, of course, a lot of people did not get charged, and I know Yebsite discovered this much earlier than many others did, and that's how Yepsite was getting all that money to dump on Full Tilt to people, is he, right. Yepsite discovered he just makes totally fake accounts up with fake names, uh, get, gets a, a real routing number, just puts the rest of it all bogus, and Full Tilt just insta-credits people. And uh, I, yeah. I think he, he made some kind of fake ID or something. I, I don't know what he did, but he, whatever Yepsite was doing, he could make accounts very quickly and get like 1500 or $2,000 on them with just phantom money. Yeah, and it's crazy, too. Some people just like a little bit of history on there, like I, I believe Brandon said on this show before that, you know, he, he told us before, too, he just clicked the increased deposit limit every day or, you know, every two days, whenever you could do it. And he said he did it for like 30 days and they got it up to like 50 grand for him or something like that. Like he had like a 50,000 e-check limit. He, he, he never wound up, wound up abusing it, but, um, you know, for every Brandon, there was probably hundreds, maybe even thousands of people that did the same thing. And could have just totally, you know, wiped them out when those e-checks weren't getting processed, um, which probably racked up a lot of that money. And, you know, the same thing than the Yeb sites of the world that were um, rolling them. So uh, it's pretty crazy. It's so much. Uh, <laughs> it's just crazy to think back that they would allow something like that to happen and just not process these things or just shut them down. It's, uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah, here's the interesting thing that Bukowski found in our chat room about the Garden City group, that um, it, it said, uh, this was uh, in 2011, October 2011, uh, that a judge criticized the SEC uh, for failing to keep an eye on the Garden City group that was supposed to dole out uh, $25 million in settlement funds to investors. It says in a nine-page ruling, the judge took SEC, this is the Securities Exchange Commission, of course, uh, to task for its, un- quote, unseemly oversight. Is that kind of like uh, unsavory? Uh, unseemly oversight of the Garden City Group, an independent claims administrator that sought to collect its own steep one million dollar commission. So, so the I, I can imagine how much they're going to make here because the Garden City Group uh, was supposed to give twenty five million to certain investors, and they were hired by by the uh, SEC, and uh, the SEC 
paid them, would you believe? One million dollars. They really did to, to dole out twenty-five million. That's pretty good. You just got to yeah. give give out twenty-five million uh, of the government's money. You get paid one million bucks to do it. So I, I can imagine how much they're going to make in this full tilt thing involving one fifty million. Damn it. Yes. Yeah, so uh, and and so the judge is really mad here that the SEC let Garden City Group charge this much money uh, for for this, and that the SEC was they said the question that occurs to this court, but apparently not to the SEC, was was such an expensive notice program effective? So that's uh, that's the company that's going to be doling out our money. I can only imagine how much our tax dollars are going to be paying for that. So. Uh, Anyway, that's why I think they, they're going to take their sweet ass time with this, um, you know, spend up all those funds like they did here. And um, if you had to take a guess, uh, when would you think the first person would get paid if you had to make a guess? I think that the first people will not get paid until uh, November 2014. Wow. So you think another year, year and a half? Yeah, I think that they're going to have all kinds of trouble with all kinds of things with figuring out what to do with this. It's, it's such a new thing to them, and it's going to be a freaking disaster, and by the time everybody applies and gets it processed and gets the check in hand, it's November 2014. That's my that's my guess. Wow, that's a long, yeah, a long time. time. So, so, so the process has begun, but you're going to be waiting a long time. Anyway, uh, 775 fraud 55 775-372-8355. The now working Mount Charleston phone number, 702-430-1808 if you want to talk about that or anything else. Uh, moving on to the next topic, lock poker. Yeah, It seems like I talk about them every week. They always do something wrong. They're always doing something shady. I, just, I have a whole report about them that I wrote last year. A year ago I wrote about to stay away from lock poker. Uh, if you didn't listen to me and you're still playing there, guess what? You're probably not getting your money. Uh, lock poker as you probably know, left the Merge Network, which is where they were when I wrote that report about them, and um, instead bought the Cake Network and renamed it Revolution Gaming, and they were the now now the flagship skin. So Cake Poker used, used to be the flagship skin of the, Revolu- of the Cake Network. Once Locke bought it, bought the whole network, Cake stayed on there and changed its name, but they were just a skin at that point. Then the flagship, the main site on the Revolution Network was Locke. Well, the cash-out times got worse and worse on Locke, even though other Revolution skins like Intertops were paying pretty fast. Uh, so uh, people were getting very concerned, especially because non-U.S. players were taking were getting like four-month waits to get their money out. And that was very suspicious because there's no payment processor issues in countries outside the United States. They don't have to hire some shady backdoor processor to sneak it past the US government they, or, or or the local government there. They these a lot of these countries, most of these non US countries, you can just uh pay them legally and quickly. That's how you can get your money within minutes, sometimes within seconds from poker stars. You know, just like the old days for the US players with NetTeller. So um, the question is if there's no longer a payment processor issue for those companies, or never was one in the non US companies not non US countries why is it still taking four months? We understand the long wait for U.S. players, but why for non-U.S. players where there's no payment process or issue? And so I said it's got to be because they just don't have the money. And uh, then they did these weird things about 
segregating their players to you know, keeping the good players away from the bad players. And I've discussed that before. I'm not going to go into that whole thing again. But these were all very strong signs that Locke was broke and trying to stall and trying to get new deposits in and pay out the minimum because they had very little to pay out. I mean, think about it. If you were running a poker site and people have large balances on your site and people are wanting to cash out some of those balances and you just don't have the money to pay them, what do you do? Well, you don't say, hey, sorry, I'm broke. You, uh, well, I mean, that's the honest thing to do, but uh, if you're trying to keep your business alive and you want to lie to people, then you just pretend you have the money, but just stall the cash outs and hope you can stall long enough till you can get enough deposits to cover them. And in right. fact, that's what Full Tilt was doing before Black Friday happened. So uh, I believe strongly that's what Locke was doing, and there's another strong piece of evidence to add to the pile. Um, a, a report came out from one of these skins on Revolution Gaming. Now, I, I've explained before how these skins work. I'm going to give a very quick crash course on the way skins compensate each other. A skin, for those of you that don't know, is another poker site that feeds into the same network where they have the same player pool. So, like, uh, for example, if you're on Inner Tops Poker, which is part of the Revolution Network, uh, you may be playing against players who are on Lock Poker. And you can't tell who is where and who's on which site. You're just all sitting at the same table. So the question comes up, well, how do the sites compensate each other? If an Inner Tops player beats a Lock player... How do they handle that on the back end of the site? How does Intertops get the money from Locke to give you that you beat the Locke player out of? Well, it's in a process that they call reconciliation, where usually about every month, uh, whatever site's players beat the other one, uh, that site owes you know, the other one money. So it was strongly suspected that Locke's players were losing a lot and the other skin's players were winning a lot. So Locke owed all their skins a whole lot of money, which is why they did the segregation, where uh, Locke players both uh, could not play against the players on other skins at the higher limits or even the middle limits and even the low middle limits. And Locke players also could, later couldn't play players of, of worse skill than them. Like if, if you had a bad player, they weren't allowed to play good players anymore. There was a, it was really sick. But the skin thing, it really seemed like they were preventing players fl- from playing against those on other skins because they didn't want the other skins to beat them out of more money because what happens? Well, at the end of the month, if Intertops players, for example, beat the Lock players overall, then Lock owes Intertops money. And what if Lock has no money? Well, then how do they pay Intertops? They don't have the money. So in order to stop the flow of money from Lock players to Intertops players, the only way to stop Intertops and the other skins expecting more money from Lock and is just to shut off the ability for these players to play each other on the same network, which kind of violates the whole purpose of having a network in the first place. But right. now that's all old news, but this is the new news. March 12, 2013, a week ago. This is from Adam and Eve Poker, or Adam Eve Poker, I guess. I never even heard of them before, but they are... Uh, I never heard of them until this either. Yeah, they're, they're apparently a skin on the Revolution Network. And remember, Locke is the one uh, responsible to pay uh, if, if the Adam and Eve players beat the Locke players. This is a an email from Adam and Eve Poker to its own players. Hello, all. I, I would like to start with clarifying that I'm not the owner. I'm a poker affiliates manager at Adam Eve Poker. Uh, good that someone started this thread. I guess it's a post, not a, not an email. Uh, as cash out started to take longer time than usual. Since we use our own cashier, usually cash outs used to take one to three working days, regardless of the withdrawal amount. That's pretty good. Company owners always use their own money to cover all cash outs. 
So basically, what they're saying is, you know, whatever your balance was on Adam Eve Poker, if you had a thousand bucks there, the the owners of Adam Eve Poker would take a thousand bucks out of their own bank account and send it to you, which is the way it should be. Um, but now, when networks debt in front of Adam Eve reach huge amounts, Finance Group, and this is of course broken English because this is a European site, Finance Group of Adam Eve Poker made a decision of processing all withdrawals only subject to receiving actual settlements transferred from the network. Now, what that means for those of you having a little trouble understanding the broken English, is that Locke has not been paying Adam and Eve Poker. That uh, Adam and Eve Poker players have been beating Locke players, but Locke has not been sending them the money. So it, it just kept building up, building up, building up, and as they put here, huge amounts. The debt, the network's debt in front of Adam, Adam and Eve reached huge amounts. So they're saying Locke owes us a ton of money now over a period of months. They have not paid us a dime recently, we can't pay you anymore. We want to pay you, but if we do, we're going to lose our shirts because right. the money that's supposed to be coming from Locke isn't coming to us. So, sorry, you know, we, we don't want to cheat you here, but I just want to let you know it's Locke's fault, not ours, and I believe them. So, right. he says, for your reference, even, even our settlement for October 2012 is not fully covered, and it's already March. Yeah, that's unbelievable. So, five months ago... The, you know the, the players that uh, won from lock from lock poker players from Adam and Eve poker. Uh, th- that money has not been sent over to Adam and Eve poker, even though these games occurred in October, and, and I, I think they haven't gotten anything for November, December, January, February, or March, of course. So I, I actually read something today that said that um, someone that posted in the internet poker forum on two plus two that. Cake actually owns the majority of the network still, but Locke owns a healthy percentage of it as well. And that, like Locke is, I think Locke is just like the, you know, I think they just took over, you know, saying they were the owners, but they're not the majority owners just because, you know, the Cake network was fledgling so badly, you know, it was heading downhill. They weren't paying, and everyone thought Locke was going to be the big saviors, or at least that's the, the way they tried to make it look. But I have a couple other things to add. I know someone that tried to make it like a 10K withdrawal via Skrill on Saturday and got a message back, I think today or yesterday, saying that like his email address was wrong or something. But then I've heard that other foreign players have gotten the same messages from Locke and Cake for like big Skrill withdrawals. So it looks like they're pulling all the stops out to, um, you know, prevent people from cashing out big amounts, even though they're taking, you know, 60-plus days for euros. So um, it's just more shadiness to add to it. Yeah, so so they went on to write, steps which will be done by us to solve this issue ASAP. In the nearest days, our CEO is going to meet Cake Network reps. Uh, they meant the Revolution Network. They said Cake because that was the old network name. To discuss the situation and find possible resolution options. Two... Fair play functionality, which Cake promised to implement this week, will allow us to solve the situation with our winning players and with huge amounts of withdrawals we have because of that. So I, I don't like that one. They're trying to say that uh, um, you guys won't need to withdraw as much money because you're not going to win as much. <laughs> because you're not going to be allowed to play the fish anymore. So that's going to allow us to kind of catch up here, which I think is kind of a dumb thing to say. But uh, you know, some, some of these uh, non-U.S. companies aren't the best at uh, subtlety or, or customer service messages. So... Uh, but anyway, I, I don't really blame Adam and Eve. I mean, they, they were expecting to get paid by Locke and didn't. So they're saying, look, we, we've tried to... And they were covering it. They were saying, we were covering it for five months here. We just can't do it anymore. So, you know, props to them for at least covering it while Locke wasn't paying them. 
but finally they had to they had to say enough is enough because uh, the the money that was supposed to come to them didn't, and what can they do? They were trusting the network, and the network screwed them. So uh, th- this is really bad, and uh, this is something brought up by PLOL uh, in the same thread on our site on the Poker Fraud Alert, the scams and scandals and shadiness forum. He said, "I think I realize why lock pokers are such big why lock players are such big losers." I used to think the players on that network were just really bad. But I think part of the problem is that lock is so bad with payments that people with money on lock will just dump it to somebody on another skin or themselves on another skin that has a better history of paying out, such as Intertops or Adam and Eve. Uh, This pushes lock even further into debt. So that's a good point. Uh, Not only might lock have more fish, but people might be intentionally losing to accounts on skins that pay, like Intertops. So, you know, your uh, lock isn't paying you. You don't want to sell your money to people on 2 plus 2 for 50 cents on the dollar. So you can call up your friend who's got an Intertops account and go, hey, let's do some convincing chip dumping. Let's get on the phone. Let's play some, like, heads up, no limit, and and wait for a spot where uh, it'll look realistic for us to both get a lot of money in. And uh, and, and we'll keep doing that whenever it's in your favor. And... Uh, so I bet a lot of that does go on. I bet that does contribute to why lock players are losing so much. Where a lot of the losing might be phony losing just to move money around over to uh, uh, over to skins that pay. This whole thing's a freaking mess. And that idiot Shane, I'm just Shane on 2 Plus 2, this guy is the biggest corporate stooge for lock. <laughs> He's the worst. All he does is two things there. Lie for lock poker. Three things. Lie for lock poker. Avoid direct questions and be condescending to people who, who question anything he has to say. Yeah. I actually got a decent story today from an affiliate, pretty big affiliate for um, all the U.S. networks. And he told me that one of his players or, um, that he has on other sites, but he does, the guy doesn't play for him on, uh, on Revolution. Well, the guy was raking like 8 to 10K a month on lock. And sh- that guy, Shane, made a post in like April saying come March 1st there'll be better cash out methods for uh, US players but they'll be for select players who rake a lot and this guy's raking like 8-10k a month like playing a shitload of tables well March 1st came and he went to them and he was like well what's going on and then uh, and they already told him that he was in that group that was going to be part of this new fast cash out thing and they were going to test it and he was going to be one of the guys and then all of a sudden, like, you know, a week goes by into March, and then they went to the guy and told him he wasn't part of that group. So, nah, nobody's actually come out and said they're part of, part of the group that was promised these fast cash-outs, but they say that there is some process going on with it. So, <laughs> they just, they, they, he just keeps, uh, you know, saying whatever they tell him to. Yeah, yeah, this guy really is the ultimate uh, company stooge. There's, there's no question about that. So, uh, moving on to a little bit of a lighter subject here. And, and by the way, if you deposit onto Lock Poker at this point, you're crazy. Do not deposit another penny there, because uh, right. you'll probably never see it. Um, there's another horrible reality poker show in the works, starring Trishel. Yes, I mean that Trishel from the real world, and Amanda Kimmel, who is in Survivor, I believe. This is called Living the Life. And I'm just going to play the trailer and let it speak for itself. I may, I may actually pause it at a few points to comment on it. But ch- check this out. This is an attempted poker reality show 
on the heels of that failed poker reality pilot featuring Chico Loco and uh, Johnny Chan and Doyle and uh, that whole mess. This one's not quite as entertaining as that one, but uh, here it is anyway. Oh, you want to see my poker face? Oh, yeah, like straight up. Like... Poker face? Yeah. Just a... So that, that was uh, Amanda Kimmel, by the way. That's her saying, you want to see my poker face. And uh, this is like the introduction of the two girls. The only thing that I know about Amanda is that she was on or one of my favorite reality shows ever. And that she's really beautiful. And she made out with the hottest guy on the show. And so that sounds like a lot like me. So I think that we might have something in common. I remember in high school watching her on The Real World Las Vegas. And my first impression of her was that she was a wannabe badass chick. Yeah, I don't think... So uh, th- this is uh, Trishelle and... Amanda talking about each other and uh, it's already showing them you know, standing in front of uh, the pause animal rescue organization uh, banner and getting taking a photo op there somehow this this producer here recruited the two of them these two washed up reality stars to be on a poker reality show but the problem is going to be me liking her it's probably going to be her liking me <laughs> this is me at the poker table no joke. Hey, to be honest with you, if I was a woman, I think it'd be easier. Because, like, in spots where you want to win a pot, you just do a little... Whoa, 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 Now, I'm sure you recognize that voice. Daniel Negreanu is in this. <laughs> Listen to what he said again. Hey, to be honest with you, if I was a woman, I think it'd be easier. Daniel. <laughs> Daniel. What are, you, what are you saying here? You're just... Shaking off these rumors about you, you, you know, you finally started to shake those off when uh, you, know, you had that whole thing with Amanda Leatherman, and then you say something like that. Hey, to be honest with you, if I was a woman, I think it'd be easier because, like, in spots where you want to win a pot, you just do a little smile, do a little this. It helps. Uh, yeah, that, I'm sure that's why you want to be a woman. Usually, the terms have about four percent women, ninety-six percent men. To beat these, that's that's Barry Greenstein talking about. Uh, uh, poker tournaments, that it's 4% women, 96% men. That's usually around what the stats are for the main event. Actually, sometimes even more than that. Sometimes like 97-3. But uh, this is Barry Greenstein talking about how he loves to see women at his table because he, they're typically soft players. You guys, it's going to take a lot of work and effort. I'm hoping one of them's at my table because they're going to be below average as far as the players in the field. And it looks like they'll be good eye candy, too. I really did learn the game and everything. And so people think that, you know, I'm just piggybacking on the fact that I was on reality TV and I'm a girl, then they can go to hell. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, Trishelle, you've done so much more than that. You're, you're so much more than just uh, being on reality TV and, and a girl. That's, uh, why don't they respect you for your mind? Why don't they respect you for all the, uh, all the good work you've done since then? All the entertaining things you've, you've uh, been part of since then. All the talent you have. How dare they just see you as a girl? On reality TV. Uh, by the way, Trishel, you've probably heard of her before associated with poker. There's Amanda Kimmel, not really, but uh, Trishel was kind of a hanger on in the Joe Seabach group. What group am I talking about? Am I talking about UB? Well, not, not really, but kind of. Um, before Joe got involved with UB, he had kind of this uh, crew he hung out with. This included Jeff Madsen, uh, Tiffany Michelle. Uh, later Maria Ho, not originally her, but uh, um, uh, Rich Fuller, a few others like that. Um, Trishel was one who was part of this group. So um, I, I actually 
I'm ashamed to admit it, but I actually spent a little time with that group long before the UB stuff, when uh, or long before U- Joe Seabach got involved with UB. Um, I, I was never friends with that group, but um, I, I was kind of brought into it with someone else occasionally. And uh, Trishel was there. And um, of all things, my one interaction with Trishel, and she approached me. Uh, Mark, can you guess what Trishel would have approached me about? When we were where, where was this again? Uh, yeah, I'll give you a hint. This was—I mean, it won't be a great hint, but I was at a uh, like at, at a lounge in the back of the sports book at the uh, Palazzo. We were watching the uh, NBA Finals there. A, a group uh, of us, including maybe looking for a lighter for a cigarette. I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah, tell me if this gives you a hint. You have another guess? I don't have a guess. What do we got here, Druff? What, uh, what did she approach you for? Trishel approached me and asked me, what is an appropriate tip to leave on drinks? <laughs> I'm not kidding. Trish, I, I don't know why she picked me. Maybe I was the most Jewish looking out of everybody there, but she uh, she approached me with, without ever having talked to me before. I, I was just kind of there among the group. I'd been among the group before when she'd been there, but she never had a word to say to me. But she approached me, picked me out of the group, and said, hey, I've got this credit card slip here. I have $96 worth of drinks on my, on my you know, that I ordered here that I'm paying for. How much of a tip should I leave? This is uh, what Trishel wanted to know from me. I don't remember what I told her. But that was my one interaction with Trishel. Uh By the way, she did date Jeff Madsen. And I don't know how long that lasted. But uh, that was when Jeff Madsen was winning. She probably yeah. wouldn't date him anymore. I actually have a weird Trishel story. Random. This is at my brother's wedding in Danvers, Mass., which is kind of in the middle of nowhere in Massachusetts. And um, this is mid-2000s. And she happened to be staying in the same hotel as his wedding reception. I actually met her there. Uh, just kind of weird, random, strange that she'd be staying in that hotel. Out of, you know, we're, we're, you know, she's probably traveling the country, doing like clubs for the real world, but for some reason she was staying at that hotel. Kind of just odd. That, that's it. Not, By the nothing way, more to the story. The, the Walking Image Library, Bukowski, posted a picture of her with uh, Tiffany Michelle, who of course was part of that Joe Seabach group, and uh, I, I think that uh, who's that porn star they hung out with? There was some porn star they hung out with too. She's in that picture. I'm forgetting her name though. But yeah, there was like a porn star part of that group too. Anyway, um, so uh, the chat room thinks it was a joke. The chat room thinks some, maybe someone sent her to, like as a level to ask me this. But no, she was serious. I could totally tell she was serious, and she had the pen already to write in whatever I said. And and I could tell she wasn't joking. Like if she was joking there, she, she's a much better actress than I ever gave her credit for. So, uh, and uh, Sarah Jean, no, it wasn't Sarah Jean. Under, what was I saying? Uh, Samantha, you know, I don't remember which one it was. I don't think. I think maybe it was Samantha Ryan. I think it's Samantha Ryan. Anyway, um, and, and someone just asked, does anyone know what Joe Seabach is doing these days? Yes, Joe Seabach is crushing hella grapes. In Northern California. I'm not kidding. We, we talked about that before. Um, and yeah, Samantha Ryan, uh, she only does lesbian porn. That's right. I remember hearing about that. Uh, so, anyway, 
Let me continue playing this. Don't make me laugh. Hi! In the beginning. So Andy Block then shows up here. I mean, how do they get these people involved in this? <laughs> how, how do you get Andy Block and Negranu and, and Barry Greenstein to be in this stupid thing here? In it, get yourself set up with an image as a type player, and then... Very sexual conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so this is her <laughs> flirting with Andy Block about, uh, he says, you know, let them think you're a type player, and he's about to say, and then, you know, loosen up. And she's, this is a very sexual conversation. Like, this is supposed to be the comedy of the show. And then... sexual conversation. <laughs> Amanda's only been playing poker for five months. I don't know exactly how she's going to fare in the tournament, but I tell you what, I'd be real embarrassed if she lasted longer than I did. <laughs> Ten of coins, literally, the money show. Yeah. Right there. Is that what that? is that? <laughs> <laughs> that? So that, it just shows them, like, you know, clowning around, like, like two close girlfriends here. And now, all of a sudden, they're in Barcelona, Spain. Now, what the hell? Like, did this show, whoever produced the show, did they actually pay for these two girls to fly out to Spain? And they stay in Spain? I mean, yeah. Like, like, why do this in Spain? Like, it's not like this has been picked up by a network. The guy actually, or someone paid for them to go to Spain. And, and I wonder if they put them into, like, EPTs and stuff for, like, 10K, you know, like, over in Barcelona or whatever, you know? You know, I always wondered, pretty- like, like, what if they just found some town in the U.S. that looks like Spain and just claimed it was Spain? Like, you know, like they do on TV when they just put a, you know, like someone's in the middle of the desert in Africa and it's really somewhere in California. Like, yeah, or that fake drive into Vegas scene. Yeah, the fake drive into Vegas scene with a two-lane yeah. road. Yeah, like yeah. maybe that's what they're doing. But it's Barcelona, Spain, and it's showing them shopping. <laughs> you play volleyball? Uh, no. Comes to Barcelona to exercise. Not me, but Amanda apparently thinks it's a good idea to go play volleyball. I don't work out. That's so stupid. <laughs> I see. I don't believe that. Um, uh, Trishel, I, I don't believe she doesn't work out at all. She's she's like thirty three years old now, and and she, you know she still has a good body. You you don't, you don't maintain a body like that at thirty three if you don't work out at all, unless you like barely eat. Uh, it's just she doesn't have the look of someone. She doesn't look like a a, a gym rat, but uh, I, I don't believe she never works out. I think she's just saying that to try to show off that she she can could, look like this without working out. Could be super genetically gifted, though. Some people are just gifted like that, you know, mm-hmm. where they don't have to work out. And I mean, it catches up to you obviously at some point. But some people, you know, if they just eat right, you know, you can maintain a, a physique that you've had when you're younger. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess it's true for some people. In fact, my brother, uh, he is uh, still very thin. And he doesn't exercise. He just He's just naturally thin. He didn't gain weight as he got older like I did. Uh, now, apparently he eats, you know, he takes in a lot less calories than I do. But um, he doesn't work out, and he's uh, 37 years old, and he's still thin. He's still very thin. So I, and I mean, he's related to me, and I'm not that thin. So, uh, but I bet he's not chugging. I bet he's not chugging those Pepsi's. No, the, no, the he's Pepsi's not. for breakfast and the orange juices before bed. Though, no, right? he's, he's probably not. Probably not. <laughs> but he's, he's still surprisingly thin for for his age, and, and for being my brother. For Just being completely honest, I think she's kind of a drama queen. I'm not so much concerned with what Amanda wants to do. I'm always the kind of person that does whatever I want to do. Is she taking this seriously, or is she just here to party? I don't even know what... So now, now you get the obligatory club scenes. And, uh, you know, showing them 
it, like they're questioning each other about partying, but then they're both shown doing it. And and uh, I, I don't know. It's just uh, that's this jarring is a, the viewers right there. I mean, this, you get a little a little cat fight going on. I, I guess, but this is just so typical. Like this is not. Uh, there's nothing that grabs your attention out of this show. You you don't. There's nothing what makes you want to watch. I mean, yeah, it's, it's two sort of young girls uh, who were once on reality shows years ago, uh, kind of playing poker and and uh, hanging out and going to clubs. Like, is anyone really going to want to watch that? Day it is, what time it is, nothing right now. Well, it's Amanda again. Um, I'm just wondering where you are. I'm kind of worried. I really didn't think about what would happen after I quit my job and if poker doesn't work out. But whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, 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 wait. Gotta hear that again. <laughs> and think about what would happen after I quit my job and if poker doesn't work out. If but- poker doesn't work out? What? That's Trishel talking. Trishel, the, the big winning poker player. And, right. uh, you know, she quit her job doing, I, I'm not sure what. But she quit her jo- her great job to be a professional poker player, even though uh, you'd never see her ever playing unless someone buys her in. And if poker doesn't work out for her, you know, but she's always been so successful. I, I hate when people do that. I know this is just drama for TV. I know this is just, uh, you know, what you're supposed to say for the camera. But I, I hate when people who either are losing players or barely play talk about if poker doesn't work out. Or yeah, the, sh- the show is trying to frame them, frame it to make it look like, look to make it look like they're professional poker players or something. You know what's or so like we- try- trying to be. You know what's it's so pretty- weird? I never understood this. Uh, when some of these people, some, especially girls, who kind of get found by the media, and um, are always, you know, trotting themselves out as professional poker players, even a lot of the ones that were winning players suddenly stop playing and they're never playing anymore. Like Maria Ho, when does she ever play these days? Like, I never see her playing live. She doesn't play online. Like, when does Maria Ho play these days? When does, or even, you know, a few years ago, other than the few World Series events, when did she play? You used to see her all the time at Commerce. You don't see her anywhere. Uh, Liz Liu, another one, used to play all the time at Commerce, used to be a regular tournament player. Then you'd, you'd see her after that, you know, once every so often at a tournament. That's it. Never playing cash anymore. Like, like, what happens where they just stop playing? How is the money rolling in at that point? I don't get it. Eh, well, someone like um, what's her name, um, Maria Ho. She she made some money probably. Like, what do they get paid for that amazing ratio? And uh, what about like uh, she had some big scores, right? Uh, somewhat, but you know, um, I. I, I heard some things. I, I don't want to say him, but I, I heard some things. Okay. But uh, um, it, it just makes me wonder, like, when... It seems like when they trot themselves out the most about being professional poker players is when they're actually playing the least poker. At least, right, like, right, right. Like, at least Negranu really plays. At least Helmuth really plays. At least Ivan right. really plays. Like, at least these guys really play. A lot of these people who come out and say, professional poker this, professional poker that, or, I hope poker works out, they're not even playing. Or, or they, they, right. they've never won in the first place, like for Shell. Right. <laughs> um, Hollywood Boulevard's just a couple miles down there. I hear that people make some pretty good money walking on the street. <laughs> that that may not even be a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what her job was before this. I mean, maybe that was her job. Maybe that's how she heard. I like. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I, I think she appeared on the Real World at a pretty young age. 
Um, yeah, you're thinking the job she was just talking about. I, I think it's, yeah, 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 yeah. Like what she's presently doing before this show uh, yeah, launches. I, I think nothing. I think that's why she was involved with the poker world. She's like, hey, you know, I I, I can find chumps to stake me into uh, and, and to pay for me and all that, and uh, you know, use my existing fame to just you know fit into this little world here. And she did. And uh, I don't know. Wasn't she, didn't she sign with UB as well? Yes, or... she, she did. She, in fact, we had an interview with her on on the previous radio show I was part of. Right. Short, and, and I talked about UB, and she, like, didn't want to hear it. Right. And, and I, I didn't, it's not like I was going to sit there and have a whole debate with her, but she didn't know any of the facts of what was she going to say. Right, right. Yeah, I remember that interview for sure. Yeah, so, yes, she signed with UB. In fact, I think that was probably through, C, I don't know, if, actually, I don't know if Seabach was part of it at that point. I know Seabach recruited people like Maria Ho, and uh, and I think Brian Devonshire too. But uh, you know he was part of that group as well, Brian Devonshire. So uh, like that was the group that always hung out. They'd go bowling together. They'd uh, you know go to bars together. They, they're like it was like that whole group that was inseparable. And right. I, I I think it's split up somewhat since then. I don't think Joe's hanging out with them much while he's crushing hella grapes in Northern California. But uh, I, I'm not sure what Trishel was doing for money in between the real world and and now. So uh, I, I'm sure she won't have a hard time finding various chumps to pay for her for various things, especially if she puts out. I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, once once your face gets seen and once you're still decent looking, which she is, you know, well, it's not hard to coast on that for a long time. Yeah, I wonder if the clubs, like, still pay her to go around in Vegas like some clubs. I have no idea, you know. Uh because I know, like, after you finish your, like, real-world season, you can go on these tours around the country for, like, two, three years, and they'll pay you, like, 500 bucks, 1000 a club. Um, you know, and, and her show was in Vegas, so I wonder if she, you know, still capitalizes off that market of, you know, having been pretty famous there. Yeah. It's possible. Yeah, I'm sure she capitalized on it for as much as she could. And I, I doubt she had any kind of real job. I just can't picture Trishel working any kind of real job. So, th- right. so then you see on the screen, living the life. It shows uh, Trishel. Uh, people made fun of this, this thing. People criticized it. People said it sucked. And, you know, he didn't get pissed and fight with people. He's like, yeah, you have a point. Yeah, like he was, he was really trying to take feedback from the community. I'll give him credit for that. Uh, there's Josh Kimmel himself. If you go to the Internet Movie Database, you can actually look him up. You can see a picture of him. Uh, I believe he's a Canadian, and he appeared in, like, a lot of different bit parts and a lot of different things since, like, 94, but, like, nothing you'd recognize. Like, he'd be in something as, like, Waiter Number 2 or uh, or, or Man on Street. Like, that, those were all his movie credits. So, uh, anyway, I guess he's trying his hand at uh, producing now, and that's what he came up with. There's no chance this gets picked up by anybody. And uh, um, someone said... Uh, Four Dragon said in the thread, the only thing I noticed with the studio credit at the end was called Running Hooks Pictures, which would indicate JJJJ or Quad Jacks, just an observation. So uh, that would be funny if the snake in the grass was involved with this. And um, yeah, so actually, it turned out that Four Dragons was not the first one to notice this, and that uh, somebody else on 2 Plus 2 noticed this and actually called the snake in the grass and asked him about this, and this was his commentary. <laughs> so uh, so I, I don't think that running Jack's pictures has to do with a snake in the grass. I think it's existed for a little while. I don't think it's done very much, but I think that uh, this uh, 
Josh Kimmel guy made up that running jacks thing a while back. Uh, nothing to do with quad jacks. Uh, for those of you that like uh, tall girls, Amanda Kimmel will fit the bill there. She's like five foot eleven. Um, but uh, you can tell she like towers over Trishel there. But so uh, now, how does this work? Does this guy just get a camera crew and, and do this whole thing and then pitch this to networks? And if I, they I don't think, pick it up, he's screwed. I have a feeling it's like this. You know, I can't imagine this guy who's in his early thirties has a lot of money from just taking bit parts and TV shows uh, every so often. I have to imagine he he got some chumps to bankroll this and said, you know, hey, bankroll this. You'll own this much percentage of the show. And he gave, you know, he got a bankroll together, recruited these two girls who are obviously hungry for anything that will keep them relevant. And they probably got a piece of the show. And then, uh, you know, he took the money, went to Barcelona, Spain, and whatever, filmed this pilot, and now is praying to God that uh, someone will pick it up. And, of course, it'll never happen. I mean, there, there's just so much money wasted on these sorts of things. You, you, I, like that, that thing that was done with Chico Loco and all that, that wasn't cheap either. There was, like, a lot of effort put into this. There were a lot of extras hired. There, were, there was a lot of scene stage. I mean, the writing was horrible. The acting was horrible, but you could tell it wasn't cheap to make. Right. So uh, yeah, you can laugh at these things and say they suck and uh, say they'll never get picked up. But the, the, this wasn't as simple as just you know pulling out a video camera and, and filming someone talking. There, there looks like a lot of production value and a lot of prep and a lot of effort put into this thing. And uh, even if it doesn't come out as a good final product, I, I don't know where the money came from. But I, I don't think a, a mostly out-of-work actor in his early 30s put up the money for this. So right, who, who knows? But uh, I'll give the guy credit for at least being uh, humble about uh, his work and wanting to take suggestions from the community rather than just tell them it's great. Tough luck, you don't understand it. F you. Like I, I think maybe if this guy really wanted to put his talents to use, he should go work for the PPA and, and advise them on how you know how to speak to people on two plus two. I think if you can combine uh, his humility with uh, with the PPA's uh, tenaciousness, you might actually have something. Anyway. Uh, let me uh, let's move on to a, a different uh, subject here. Uh, phone number in case anybody wants to call in seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five or seven zero two four three zero eighteen zero eight. Make sure you show your caller ID, or you probably will not get through. Moving on to the next topic in our very uh, crowded agenda tonight. That would be, um, oh, I'm back on 2 plus 2. You might remember the uh, the whole thing that happened two weeks ago where I complained about Rich Muni outing my fake account on uh, 2 plus 2, which he did, and you know, the excuses he gave, I don't believe. But I'm not going to rehash that. But uh, I made lemons from lemonade out of this whole thing. Or sorry, the other way around. I made lemonade out from lemons. And that whole situation with getting out of there led to me being finally allowed to post on 2 plus 2 as myself. That uh, I no longer have to hide under fake accounts. It's not not like I post it all the time there, but uh, occasionally it would be an important topic that I'd want to chime in on over there with a very large audience, like Lock Poker, for example. And uh, and I'd want to post there. Not not to help out Mason, but uh, because I wanted to get valuable information out to the community and that's the biggest audience you can find so that's why I posted there and uh, I, I had to do it under fake accounts because Mason banned me back in 2008 
Uh, now, if you remember, I got banned not for breaking any rules of 2 plus 2, but simply because I was associated with MyCon and, uh, and the whole thing that happened with Skolansky over there, which I, I won't bother rehashing now. So, can you find me on 2 plus 2 now under the name Dan Druff? No. But wait a minute. I thought... I thought I just said I'm allowed on 2 plus 2. So if I'm allowed on 2 plus 2, if Mason knows it's me, if Mason's okay with it being me, if Mason's okay with me posting on his site... Why am I not posting as Dan Druff? Am I still? Yeah, I, I actually have a question about that because I actually read in the thread where you were outed or whatever, and um, I don't know there was some back and forth, and then I, I thought Mason wrote he didn't care what account who any, anyone posted under as long as they adhered to the rules. Right. So right, that's what Mason's final word was. I, I what happened was I posted a. Uh, uh, a message to Mason. I didn't want to kiss his ass. I wasn't going to kiss his ass or apologize, but I also wasn't going to be hostile. I, I put up a message saying, look, I'm willing to put everything aside that happened over the past five years. So I've been banned there for five years. I'm willing to put it all aside, not not determine who's right or wrong, not talk about it anymore, but just say, we're going to forget about this and move on and just be cordial to each other. Not friends, of course, but uh, cordial and, you know, Allow me back on your site. I, I've always been a good poster here. I've always contributed good content. Let's put the personal crap behind us and just move on. So he said, I don't care what account you post under, just follow the rules here, which is basically his way of saying, fine, come back. So I'm like, okay, cool. So then he told me that I needed to you know, get the final okay from the people who were actively managing the forum. So he said I needed to uh, uh, talk to uh, Professional Poker, the, the blue mod over there. Uh, who I actually talked to some, and he actually seems like a decent guy. I, I know I've had some words about him before, but uh, I, I talked to him some privately. He actually made an account over here on PFA, and we talked through the little chat feature here. And, uh, um, yeah, he, he actually seems like a decent guy, this professional poker, who's the blue mod over on 2 Plus 2. Uh, professional poker, however, pr- informed me that there's one little problem with me being reinstated there. That Mason's okay with me being reinstated, but that uh, the Skolansky crew isn't very happy about it. And that the Skolansky crew is okay with me being there. And when I say the Skolansky crew, I mean Matt Skolansky and David Skolansky. Mostly Matt. Matt is his son. But that I can't be Dan Druff. I can come on as Todd Wittellis if I want. I can come on under some other name. I just can't be Dan Druff. For some reason, Dan Druff is not allowed there. Todd Wittellis is allowed there. Any other name I want to be is allowed there, but not Dan Druff. I kid you not. This was the, uh, this was the conclusion. So, I said this is ridic- ridiculous, oh, but, good, good, yeah. but but I agreed. I said, all right, fine. So, I changed my name there to Kilowatt. I'm now Kilowatt there. Why Kilowatt? Kilowatt was my very first name on online poker ever. It was my original name on Planet Poker in January of, or I think February of 2001. That was my very first online poker hand was under the name Kilowatt. That was before Dan Druff. So, uh... I as a homage to that, I became Kilowatt because I could not be Dandruff. I mean, I don't understand. And it's not like they said I have to pretend I'm not me. Like, I'm allowed to be Kilowatt. I'm allowed to say that I'm me, that I'm Todd Wittellis. I'm allowed to say that I, you know, I was once there as Dandruff. I just can't post as Dandruff for some reason. Very, very peculiar. But uh, that's why I am going to be posting as Kilowatt. Ironically, I have not posted at all under Kilowatt or maybe I've posted once. I really haven't used the account since I've been allowed there. It's it's kind of like uh, a kid who has a curfew and always violates his curfew. And then when his parents say, you know what, 
screw the curfew. You're old enough to stay up as stay out as late as you want. And then the kid starts coming back at ten o'clock every night. But uh, no, it's not. It's really not that. I just haven't had anything to say. But uh, now, now, why do you think? What's the reasoning behind not being able to post his Dan Druff? I don't Is know. It something to do with Google or because of like uh, <laughs> something that you know that because you said things from that. Screen name and it could get matched up. I mean, it just seems a little. Um, I don't know. It seems a little uh, like they're sketched out about it in some strange way. Like something's going to happen. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I just and, don't know uh, what the explanation could be. Yeah, I actually asked someone who's well connected in the poker ro- poker world if he heard anything about this and uh, what the reason could possibly be, and uh, actually recorded his response. Is what the guy told me. I don't know. I don't know. But I don't know. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I don't know. I don't know. So I, I couldn't get an answer on this, but uh, no, I really couldn't get one. I, I was just told that's just that's just what they want. That's what professional poker told me. He's like, uh, you know, if it's up to me, I, I'd make you Dan Drop. And he seemed serious. Like professional poker wasn't just jerking me off there. It seemed like he was serious. That you know, he's happy to have me as Dan Drop. He has no problem with me personally. He's happy to see me back. And, and we talked for a while. He didn't seem. You know, he has no reason to bullshit me like that. But uh, yeah. so I, I, th- I think he does want me back as Dandruff, but it's not, uh, you know, he's still below the Skolanskis there. So uh, I, I had to come back as Kilowatt. So I mean, it's better than nothing. I, 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 of course, I prefer to be Dandruff there, but uh, the more important thing is that I can post there now when I have something important to say. And, right. uh, you know, some people may think I want to come back there to spam Poker Fraud Alert and get, you know, get people over here. And, look, it would be great to get some of 2 Plus 2's users more aware of this site and get some more new users over here. But I'm not going to use it for that. I, I don't, and they're very sensitive about spam over there, so I'm actually going to be very careful about yeah, that. But uh, sure. I, I'm really just – the only reason I want to be there is because that's where the largest group of people congregate as far as poker players on message forums. That by far, you won't find any forum, uh, especially of U.S. poker players – with anywhere near the number of active users and active readers. So if I have something I want to say about uh, an important situation going on in poker, while I will always say it here, uh, I always I, I also want to get that audience as well if it's something important and I want my word to be heard. So uh, that's I'm not going to be like an everyday poster. You're not going to find me with uh, 20,000 posts in a few years, but uh, um, at least I can post now. So uh, props to 2 Plus 2 for letting me back. Uh, props to Mason, actually, for uh, finally burying the hatchet. Uh, not so much props for not letting me be, be dandruff, but uh, whatever. But I, I just, why am I saying this out here? I'm not trying to embarrass anyone there. I'm just, I, people have been asking me, what's up with this kilowatt, the crap? Why, why not just be yourself? And are, are you still right. trying to hide? No, I, I want to be dandruff. I want to be seen. The, yeah, they did offer I could be Todd Wittellis, but I'm like, you know, it just feels, I've been online since 1986, and I've right. never been on as my real name, even when my real name has been known. Like, look at this form, Poker Fraud Alert. Yeah, everyone knows who Dan Druff is, who goes to the site. But I, it just feels unnatural for me to be posting on a forum without using some kind of screen name. It's just I've, I've done it for 27 years. It, it, I'm just, it feel, feel, it'll feel weird. I, I, so I said, no, I'd just rather be Kilowatt, make, make me Kilowatt. But I'm not going to hide who I am. Uh, I'm not going to announce every post, hey, I'm Dan Druff, but uh, on the other hand, I'm not going to hide, and uh, if necessary, like if there's a reason to say who I am for, for relevance, I will say it. Uh, anyway, uh, I just wanted to let everybody know about that. Uh, let's talk a bit about Poker Boss Pro, and i got a little twist here. What is Poker Boss Pro? Well, if you'd like to see, go right now to PokerBossPro.com. Exactly as it sounds, PokerBossPro.com. 
and you will see it is a it's an online staking site for live players. So you're not staking online players. Through online, you're now staking live players. Pretty much what uh, Chip Me Up was doing. Even though Alan Kessler posted on 2 Plus 2, this is a revolutionary new concept. It's, it's not very revolutionary, but uh, it is another site where you can buy a piece of certain pros for uh, you know, some kind of markup, of course, of when they're playing their tournaments. Now, they have their top players listed. Here's the top players. Kathy Liebert. Uh, That's a good one. We have... And what's such a fail here is you can't just click on their pictures either and, and see them like appear with their name. You have to like click on these arrows on the side. But anyway, if you, sorry, so you have, you have Alan Kessler, is why he, this is why he was promoting it. David Plastic, Jimmy Tran, not Kenny Tran, but Jimmy Tran, Doug Lee, <laughs> biggest superstar in poker right there, top player. Uh, oddly enough, like a, a blank, like a, a like a stock picture of just a guy in front of pocket aces, like a, a black and white stock picture of no one. Uh, Chris Moneymaker. Let's see what other ones. Chris Moneymaker. Uh, Kenna James. Anne Tran. And, and that's it. So that's a list of the top players. Now, China Maniac, do you notice anything that these players, or at least some of them, have in common? Well, most of them have scored something at some point and have been on TV, but sounds like a lot of them haven't made any scores in a long time. Right. These are, now, I think Kessler I, I think Kessler has money as just a cheap Jew. Uh, but I think a lot of the rest of these people are uh, ones who have a nice number as far as what their total tournament winnings are. But remember, tournament winnings aren't actual winnings. That's total right. cashes. So they're just adding everything you cash, not what your buy-ins and not what your net wins were. So yeah, so that's can... one thing I'm actually really getting sick of is when I see like uh, you know like Barry Greenstein. I think it was in that um, Trishel whatever for that. Um, oh yeah, seven point nine million reality winnings. Yeah. yeah, seven point whatever million. Like somebody's got to come up with a site that subtracts the buy-ins so yeah. you can actually have. The number. I know Sharkscope of... was starting to do that, like not with not with older tournaments, but with newer tournaments, right. like the World Series. And that. Um, but yeah, these add up so quickly, and I learned that personally from playing just the World Series every year. And I don't even play like the big events. Like you don't see me in many 10K events. I'll play like the like I'll play the the limit events, including the big one, the five or 10K, whatever they run that year. And I'll play the main event for 10K, and then I'll play like a like a a number of small ones, 1,000, 2,500. But not like I'm not like playing every day. I'm just like a selection of small ones, and it still always adds up between like thirty and forty k. Now this year I'm playing an abbreviated schedule because they removed some events I liked, and also because I just don't have as much time. But uh, for the last several years, I've been playing like thirty to forty k in uh, World Series buy-ins, and I'm not even playing most of the bigger buy-in ones, and I'm not uh, playing every day. And uh, I'm like, crap. Imagine these people that play 10K after 25K after 5K, like like over and over and over again throughout the whole year. How much they must spend on buy-ins and then multiply that by 10 years. They're, they're spending millions. Oh, yeah. The, I mean, these things can add up quick. I mean, if you're playing like 40 10Ks a year yeah, plus travel plus, you know, whatever. I mean, and you get like whatever, two min caches out of 40 events and you don't score, you're screwed. Yeah, 
Yeah, and, and as you said, the travel of uh, the travel expenses, and of course, uh, you know, there's life expenses of uh, you have to support yourself. If you break even, and then what if you and if you run bad in cash games, that's yeah. pretty bad. That'll kill it too. Yeah. So, uh, so a lot of these people, even though they have big numbers, are, are probably broken. Of course, poker players are not known for their responsible management of money outside of the tables. So, uh, you know, they hit their big score. They go, "Oh my god, I'm so rich," and then they blow it and they're broke. And we'll talk about someone else a little bit later in the show. Uh, who uh, Jerry Yang, who p- probably is broke, but uh, yeah, this site Poker Boss Pro features a lot of people I have heard are struggling at the moment. Now, I'm not going to name them all. Kathy Liebert is an interesting one because I always wondered about her. She doesn't play cash at all. She plays a lot of tournaments. So while she does have a large number as far as how much she's cashed, I don't know what that number is, but it's it's a lot of... Uh, here it is. 5.75 million. 5.77 million. That's a lot of money, but she has played a lot of big tournaments for a long time. She's been around forever. And if she's taken in 5.775 million, I wonder... How much is she really up? And then another thing to add in is, like, if you score, let's say you score three million in one year in tournaments, and let's say two million after all your buy-ins and expenses, you're still going to get hit with huge taxes. So that's another thing to throw into all these winnings too. Half of it's going to be, you know, bombarded. A lot of it's going to be bombarded from taxes. Well, yeah, you're right that like if you. Uh... You know, the same year you can subtract those expenses, but from previous years you can't. So right. that's a, that's a big problem. Uh, let, let me tell you about though this uh, this weird thing. I said I was going to mention a weird thing that nobody knows yet, or at least uh, most people don't know. Um, poker Poker Boss Pro. Uh, I was told has a weird connection to of all people, Jacep. Yes, that Jacep. Now, how can this have a connection to Jacep? This is so weird, and I found it out just before the show, and I haven't fully investigated yet, but let me, let me try to uh, explain this one. It's, it's really, really strange. And uh, uh, first of all, before I explain it, uh, people have been paying those uh, $5 on Fiverr.com to get these little uh, Jacep things produced, and some of these are really funny. So this is this is one of uh, about Jacep, ch- some children chiding Jacep for stealing. It's African children in the tree saying, Jacep, how could you? This is really, this is really like children in an African tree somewhere saying, Jacep, how could you? Holding up signs saying, Jacep, how could you? But that, I, I had to mention that I was, uh, I, I didn't, uh, that wasn't why I brought this up. I felt that was worth playing. Uh, there's... Let me get to the post the guy made about this. Um, yeah. A person named Greg Cash. Um, it's a great name. Greg yeah, Cash. Greg Cash. I love that. Yeah. So, um, this is from a person named Forum Wars. Uh, said, yeah, he used the Wayback Machine. Which is a, like an internet uh, archiving site where you can go back and look at old sites the way they looked 
back in the day. You should try it sometime if you haven't. It's at archive.org. In fact, if you go to archive.org and look up Never Win Poker back in 2004, you'll see some funny stuff. But um, th- this is found on there about uh, bapokerboss.com, which obviously has uh, a lot of similarity in name to b- pokerbosspro.com. And it says, this is what players are saying about bapokerboss.com. Truly a groundbreaking concept. This will revolutionize the poker world as we know it. Finally, there's a tool out there for players of any caliber to get noticed and get sponsored in the world's premier tournament trail. And that quote is from Johnny Sepp, poker player. And then another quote, a website like this is long overdue. It's the best promotion tool for a player in the business. Greg Cash, professional poker player and potential investor. Now, what, now what about this Greg Cash? You see that uh, you know he had Jsip uh, making quotes in, in his uh, company's favor. But who is this Greg Cash, and what does he have to do with uh, with Poker Boss Pro? Well, um, apparently, Poker Boss Pro is registered to Greg Cash. So, uh, this Greg Cash, who has some sort of affiliation with Jacep, um, I, I guess the BAPokerBoss.com was Greg Cash's first site. And uh, uh, this is... Uh, yeah, so, so, so he, he was involved with Jacep and this original concept of, B, of BAPokerBoss.com now there's Poker Boss Pro that Greg Cash, wherever this is, uh, now owns. So I wonder if Jacob's behind this one too, partially. And who is this Very Greg possible. Cash? I it's mean, so he's, weird. He's told me in the past he's been a part of staking sites, and he, I don't know. He was trying to come up with some other World Series of Poker, some like a, a draft thing or something for like poker tournaments, almost like draft day for poker tournaments. Um, so, yeah, you never know. Could have his hands in it somehow. Yeah, I mean, he was definitely involved with the first version of uh, Poker Boss Pro, BAPokerBoss.com. He was making these dumb testimonials for it. So, um, yeah, that uh, it, you'll, you'll see about this Greg Cash if you uh, if you go over to 2 Plus 2. Someone posted about that. And um, so, yeah, something shady going on there. And I haven't had time to really research it, so if I seem a little bit uh, confused here or uh, not totally putting those together yet, I I found this out like minutes before the show started, but I'm definitely going to look into this further and post about it. (laughs) Because if if Jacob's involved with this, we've got to shout this one to the mountaintops. And uh, we've got to find out who this great cash is and uh, talk to him about this. So that's the story of the Poker Boss Pro, and that it may have something to do with Jacob. Weird. Wouldn't that be funny if Jason was Greg Cash? That's what I was going to say. That could be his alias right there, <laughs> Greg Cash. He can't go by John Sepulveder or Jacep anymore, so why not Greg Cash? It's not good, right? Yeah. Now, Greg Cash will make you cash, yeah. I mean, is this guy's name really Greg Cash, too? I mean, yeah. it just sounds too perfect. Well, it's like, like, it's like Chris, Chris Moneymaker. Moneymaker. Yeah, Chris, yeah, we say it at the same time, Chris Moneymaker. And, you know, Greg Cash will make you great cash. <laughs> didn't, didn't Alan Kessler said he knows this guy or something in that 2 plus 2 thread? I don't know if you read it, but... um, I read part of it. 
Yeah, I, I briefly skimmed over it, and then I saw the JSEP part later, and it was actually linked back to here in that thread where the testimonials were. And um, yeah, and then I was just thinking a second ago, I was like, I thought Kessler said he knew the guy, Greg Cash, or I don't know, he, I don't know, he knew him somehow or something. But um, it's pretty crazy. So I wonder if these, so these pros have to like give this guy permission to put those names up. Oh, wait a second, I, uh, something actually just popped into my head. I think JSEP, I remember JSEP telling me that Antran might have taught him how to play tournament poker or something like that. He said he used to travel the circuit back in the early 2000s or late 90s. I could have sworn he said that Antran taught him how to play cash games and tournaments at some point. Okay, so I found it. Yeah, yeah, so that's interesting. And and Antran, of course, is one of the people on there. I I, I didn't want to interrupt you here, but uh, I I wanted to mention Greg Cash, uh, the... Detectives in our chat room, A Brown eighty three and uh, Bukowski seventy two at the same time, came up with Greg Cash's profile on poker pages, and uh, Greg Cash has the massive tournament winnings lifetime of fifty eight thousand. Uh, and uh, the funny thing is his name Greg Cash, aka G Money, from Mount Ida, Arkansas, which is where the uh, the site's registered. By the way, the site is registered to. Uh, um, uh, well, it has a, a the administrative contact is Don McCarroll, but it's also in Mount Ida, Arkansas. So I can't imagine there's a lot of uh, uh, people in Mount Ida, Arkansas that are independent of one another. Uh, but uh, anyway, uh, th- they sent this to me, and where'd that go? They sent it to me. Oh, here it is. Greg Cash is not a young man. He's been playing poker since 1973. Now he's not that old. Uh, I guess he was playing poker like on the kitchen table or something. He's actually 55. And um, uh, it's just if I could change anything in the world, this is from him, you know, his own filling out his own profile there. Eliminate world hunger. Isn't that sweet? Wow. Maybe he'll do some type of uh, podcast charity for yeah. like uh, – Starving children in Africa or something? Maybe he could do the, uh, the podcast charity for those children who told Jacep, uh, how could you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Maybe that should be the next, uh, the next uh, charity podcast. Feed the children who are uh, telling Jacep not to steal. <laughs> okay, so, so anyway, Greg Cash is a real person at least, but uh, definitely has some kind of connection to Jacep. And you know, maybe it was a past connection. Maybe he never did anything shady. I, I don't want to throw Greg Cash under the bus because I haven't right. seen that he's done anything wrong yet. But uh, he definitely had association with Jason at one time, and uh, that's at least worth noting. So yeah, I'm I'm almost positive that Jacep told me that Antran taught him cash games at um what was that the the horseshoe down whatever that one is down south um. I think there's a horseshoe or something down there that used to have that event that was on ESPN. It was a 10K, but I swear it was him. And I probably actually have Skype logs to prove it. So um, I'll have to take a look for that. Yeah. So Just to, just to see. Yeah, Tunica. Tunica. So we have a, uh, a little bit of uh, poker gossips here tonight. Uh, you know, it, it's such a, a big mess when poker players date each other. And uh, and then it doesn't work out. And these young poker players, they just don't know how to keep it between themselves when there's a problem or when things end. It always has to become a public spectacle. We've seen the 
Matt Marafiati stuff. We saw the stuff involving uh, Amanda Musumichi. And now from the same school, we have Kevin McPhee and Liv Boree. This is becoming a, a regular segment here on Poker Fraud Alert Radio. Breaking up is hard to do. Twitter style. Uh, apparently, the young man of Kevin McPhee is very unhappy that Liv Bory has dumped him and maybe cheated on him. Allegedly cheated on him. I'm not going to say she did or didn't, but uh, he seems to feel she did. So these are some quotes from his Twitter. So, Liv Bory leaves for the Ireland... Uh, of, leaves for the he's meant to say leaves for Ireland not the Ireland but leaves for Ireland for St. Paddy's for the weekend and comes back and breaks up with me people that lie just never stop lying people that cheat never stop cheating people don't change the summer I had at the World Series of Poker was the worst of my life because Liv Borey broke up with me to make a reality show and hook up with Galen referring to Galen <laughs> Hill so now, oh. now the question is this is the World Series. That was last year. So if she hooked up with Galen Hill back in 2012... I, I, I think it's Galen Hall, but... Oh, Hill. Sorry. Sorry, Galen Hall. You're right. Yeah. Uh, but if she hooked up with him in 2012, why is he still with her? Why is he... Uh, I guess he thought she was changing or something. Uh, she tore my heart out then. For some reason, I got back together with this manipulator, only to have her do it again. Hashtag heartless. Now, that's not as good of a hashtag as it grows back fast, but... Uh, Still in the same genre. Then he also now, wrote, is this is this McAfee guy like a poker pro or something? Yeah, I don't know who Kevin McPhee really is. Yeah, he is a poker pro. I, just, I've, okay. I don't follow this stuff very well. But like all yeah. these young poker pro hot hot shots, uh, right. young guy. Yeah, I, I just I just don't. But uh, yeah, he is a poker pro. Um, then he wrote to those of you saying I shouldn't air this on Twitter. Keep in mind, she made a reality TV show this summer about us breaking up. Hashtag fair game. So what? So she made a reality TV show about the two of them breaking up, cheated on him, and then he took her back. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd be clapping about that too. So I, I don't know uh, what he's so surprised about. But, uh, yeah, apparently there was a reality show breaking, about breaking up with him and about cheating on him with uh, Galen Hall, he claims. And uh, now she comes back from Ireland and uh, after probably getting pinched for not wearing green in St. Paddy's Day uh, in all kinds of places, comes back and uh, gives him the boot. So uh, no more Kevin McPhee and Liv Bory, and he's on a, a, a Twitter tilt about this. And I, you know, if this is all true, I understand why he's mad, but don't come out on Twitter. Let me give you some advice Kevin McPhee and anybody else, especially young players who might be dating other young poker players. If something goes south with your relationship, especially if you get screwed over in some way, unless it involves some sort of scamming for money, if it's just like typical relationship stuff where you're not being treated well or you get cheated on or you get dumped for someone else, let me give you some advice. Don't whine it about it on Twitter or you will look like a crybaby. For sure. No one's going to feel bad for you. They they may think that the person you're complaining about is uh, you know is bad too, but you're going to look bad no matter what. The right way to go about it is one of two things: either say nothing, which is the preferred, or if you must tell the world that Liv Bory or uh, uh, Lauren Kling or whoever else is a slut who cheats, whatever you want to get out 
to the world about them, if you really must do this, do it with subtlety through a third party. Like, like somehow get the word out through one of your friends or acquaintances. Hey, you know, I, I heard Kevin McPhee and uh, Liv Bory broke up because she cheated on him the second time. And then get people talking about it and then reluctantly come out and go, yeah, yeah, well, I didn't want to take this public, but since everyone's asking, yep, you know, she, she went and uh, cheated on me last year and I took her back and then, you know, she did it again just now and breaks up with me. Like, then you look like the victim. But if you go out on Twitter, even if you are the victim and bitch about it, you look like a bitch. So th- right. there, there's no way to come out and look good like this. And all you do is provide entertainment for others, but not a good type of entertainment. The entertainment of, like, look at this whiny bitch on Twitter. Look at this crying guy on Twitter because a girl broke his heart. And then everyone laughs at you. That's what the- Yeah, you, wa- you wind up with a 50,000 view thread on 2 plus 2. Yeah, and, the, yeah. And, th- and that's all you're known for. is, the, is uh, Now, Kevin McPhee, instead of being uh, the kind of uh, a, a guy who isn't really well-known for anything in poker other than just a, a pro poker player, uh, all of a sudden you're known as the guy who Liv Bory cheated on twice and, and then cried about it on Twitter. And uh, by the way, he, he pretty much ended his uh, Twitter rant by saying, no more poker life for me, please. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, anyway, that's that's going on with Kevin McPhee. And that last tweet was seven hours ago. If you really want to see what else Kevin McPhee has to say about all this, you can go to twitter.com slash Kevin McPhee. That's K-E-V-I-N-M-A-C-P-H-E-E. That's McPhee. Kevin McPhee is the way it's spelled. P-H-E-E. And uh, you can see... I'm sure I'll have a lot more to say about this. Or... He'll go Matt Marfiati style and just delete it all and pretend he never said it. And then say it again a few days later. So uh, that happened. And, uh, wow, that Liv Bory, you know, like, uh, I don't know, when I first heard of her, I didn't see her doing things like this. But uh, I, a lot of times people in poker surprise me. Not just Greg Raymer. Just a lot of times you, you get an image of someone. Right. And then you find out that they're very different than the image that they've been portraying. And... Uh, uh, sometimes it's not even just about personal things. Sometimes it's just about like money management. Like, for example, Gavin Griffin, who, uh, you know, as far as I know in his personal life, is a nice guy. He obviously did that stupid thing a number of years ago with uh, sending his penis to a fake girl all over the internet. But uh, that was just a dumb decision. That wasn't you know, him doing anything wrong. Um, but that, that's not what I was talking about. Gavin Griffin was so successful in tournament poker. And, Dominated uh, for a while there. Yeah, I, I thought that this guy had a lot of money. I thought he was responsible. I thought he was not a degenerate at all. I thought he was one of those few young players who kept his money and uh, and was just balling out of control, but not balling like in a reckless way, but just had a lot of money and, and uh, had made a lot and, and knew how to hold on to it. And uh, then I see that blog from him saying, hey, guess what? I've blown it all, and I'm now grinding 816 limit." And I'm like, what? That's uh, so weird. Oh, boy. We uh, we have a person entering and leaving the chat over and over. I don't know if they're doing it on purpose. The limp donk bingo. But uh, either he's having trouble or he's doing it on purpose. He's been around for a while. I've never seen him cause any trouble. But whatever it is, this is uh, obviously not acceptable. So I'm going to have to ban this guy. 
Too bad we don't have the Who squeeze box available. You could play that. In and out, in and in out. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it's amazing the the uh, the things people come up with. It's funny when I said I'm going to ban him, then he stops doing this. Now I think it was on purpose. Yeah, like magically I, I haven't stopped. banned him yet. He just magically stopped it. <laughs> well, I mean, I, limp down bingo. Next time, next time you're doing this, I would suggest you you keep doing it, and then tell me later you had a problem with your computer. I believe you. Now, now I think you're doing it on purpose. Like, it's not very smart. It's like, what made him do this? Also, like this guy's been so quiet. I, I barely know anything about him. I've seen him make a few posts. He's always been okay. Like, like, why just come in and start entering and leaving the chat? I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to look into the chat and see if there's a way to stop this. Like, make people maybe. Wait. Maybe he uh, took some of the advice in uh, Limitless's uh, alcohol thread and he yeah. had a few too many tonight. Yeah. So uh, for those of you who listen in the archives, which is most of you, we, we have a chat room, of course, that I always talk about, and that's where uh, the users mostly interact with me. People say, uh, why don't you get many phone calls here? Well, the reason I don't get many phone calls is everyone talks in the chat to me. I get PMs in the chat. I get just people openly uh, saying things in the chat. It's just everyone who listens live, uh, except the ones that, are doing it on a mobile device and can't access the chat room. Most of them just sit in the chat and interact with me there, right. and uh, and that's how most it's people communicate. It's, it's obviously too difficult to, just to hit that one click Skype, you know, and uh, or dial the number. Yeah, no, I, I actually like getting phone calls, but uh, you know, if and the, anyone wants to call seven seven five fraud fifty five seven seven five three seven two eight three five five. But I understand, you know, some people feel more comfortable uh, in the chat, especially because. People in forums are used to communicating uh, through forums. A lot of them like the written word better than the spoken word word as far as the communication. I actually like them both, as you can tell. But, uh, you know, some people really prefer to write in a chat room than than call up. And, uh, and of course, when you're writing, you have more time to format your thoughts and and, to erase anything stupid you say. And when when you're speaking live, you've got to just be ready to just keep talking and... Especially if you're a caller, because you got to get it out, get right. your point out. Um, I used to call a lot of sports talk radio shows, and I'd get on the air and I would freeze, not a little bit. And uh, yeah, if you don't get, you know, some people just don't want to sound like um, sound like they don't know what they're talking about or sound stupid, you know? Yeah, just easier to type, like you said. By, by the way, you know what's kind of an intimidating sound when you call up radio shows? Not this show, but like. Uh like terrestrial radio shows, uh, the sound of you being put on the air, for some reason that always kind of freaked me out. They're like, you're like all ready to talk, you're all ready to right. have a coherent call, and they go, all right, uh, Mark from Boston, Massachusetts, you're on the air. <laughs> you, you get that, right. that, that, like, it sounds like someone's blowing into the phone. And then it's right. like this loud sound in your ear, and you're like, crap, now what do I say? Right. It, it like puts you on instant tilt, that... Also yep. probably, I'm also probably tilting people listening to this in their headphones by blowing into the microphone like that. But uh, anyway, uh, moving on to our next subject, uh, we're going to move on to the next subject, and then the one after this will be a few prank calls to celebrities that uh, probably will be a fail. But you never know. We sometimes reach surprising things when we make these random calls. But uh, I quickly want to talk about the Australian casino. That was robbed of $32 million. Or scammed, or not robbed. Scammed out of $32 million. I should be clear about that. Uh, 
this is the story that their largest casino, the Crown Casino, was scammed out of a reported $32 million using its own surveillance cameras. Their cameras are so good. You know, you know when you watch TV like, like CSI or, or uh, any other crime show and there's video of some crime taking place, they always have the clearest video, and if it's not clear, somehow they can enhance it and make it super clear, which, of course, is fiction. You can't really do that. But uh, um, taking a page out of this fiction, they actually have high-resolution cameras in the Crown Casino to uh, help identify any kind of cheating. So they can see a lot more from the cameras than you could typically see. And they thought this was a great idea, put high-res cameras, and now the security has a lot more visibility. Except, what if someone in security is dirty? And what if someone in security is using those cameras and then signaling to people playing of what they're seeing on those cameras. So, so uh, one of the players there was uh, a high roller was getting signals from someone in security who was looking at that camera and the person was playing cards and uh, knowing what was being seen by the camera that the player normally couldn't see could make all the right decisions and just destroy the casino. Now, what's interesting is you think that person would be, uh, you know, once this was discovered, that person would be in jail and all that. Well, it sounds a lot less, it's taken a lot less seriously over there than it would be in Nevada. Uh, Crown, this is the Crown Casino, said a member of, a, of, this is from the article, a member of staff in the VIP gambling area had been sacked, which means just fired. Doesn't mean that they uh, got tackled by a, uh, a really big guy. Uh, v- VIP gambling area has been sacked and the patron involved banned after the scam was uncovered several weeks ago. Well, if that's all that happens, maybe it's a good idea to steal from uh, Australian casinos. That uh, All that happens is someone gets sacked and you get banned. Uh, Victoria State Police said they have been informed of the incident. <laughs> that's it, they've just been informed. Yep, yep. We, we got informed of the incident here, but um, uh, we don't know what we're going to do about it. Um, we know about it, though. We know. We're just not sure if um, we're going to um, really bother with the whole matter. Strange. Uh, and uh, anyway, they uh, claim they can recover a significant portion of the money. They claim the person who won it still has most of it, and they could probably recover it. But that's if the police do more than just uh, become informed of the matter. So I'm glad we don't have the Australian police investigating the Jacob situation. Otherwise, I don't think we'd have a very strong chance of any kind of conviction. So, <laughs> so anyway, uh, that, wouldn't it be funny if like uh, we get the police's comment there in Rhode Island? Uh, yeah, yeah, we've we've been informed. We've been informed, and uh, and we sacked someone who was working at PayPal over this, and Jacob's been banned from PayPal. So anyway. Uh, I want to move on to the prank call segment. We haven't done some prank calls in a while. I don't know if we're going to reach anybody, but uh, I got this message from someone. This was uh, these were phone numbers from Exposed.su, a site that went up and down, and and uh, this site I guess exposes information that uh, yeah is supposed to be private. They even had social security numbers and credit reports up there. I don't care about that stuff, but. Uh, Got the following phone numbers here. I, I, there's some of them I'll try to call, some of them I won't. I imagine most have been changed. We'll try anyway. Ashton Kutcher, 
Paris Hilton, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mel Gibson, Donald Trump, Hulk Hogan, Beyonce, R. Kelly, Mitt Romney, Chris Christie, Sarah Palin, Joe Biden, and Michelle Obama. Now, the two I'm not going to call are Joe Biden and Michelle Obama for obvious reasons. I I don't want to harass the uh, presidential family. I don't want to harass the vice president. If by some chance Joe Biden has not changed his phone number, supposedly a landline for him, by the way. I actually have a landline for Michelle Obama. Uh, Again, I imagine these have been changed, but, you know, like I... What, I'm going to prank all the vice president on this radio show at uh, 1 a.m. Eastern time? That's that's not a good plan. I think uh, R. Kelly needs to needs to get a call from Chico Loco. <laughs> He's been messing with his girls. <laughs> so we're going to try to call the rest. I don't care about pranking the rest. I don't care about pranking celebrities. I just don't want to prank the, the president's wife and the, and the VP. But uh, So we're going to just go down the list. I, I Don't get too excited here because we're probably going to not reach any of them, but maybe we'll get some LOL voicemails and maybe we'll get uh, one of them answering the phone and maybe we will get some hapless chump who has the phone number that uh, happens to be... Well, let's... Hold on. Before, you know, bad guy's calling. I'll have to take this after we make these calls. I, I, I don't want to take a call right now. I'm going to thank you for bad guy for calling, but you you got you got to have some patience here. Please call after the segment. We're going to try to call up, uh, and I'm afraid if I have him on for these segments, he's just going to dominate them. So I, I want to try to do this myself. So we're going to try to call Ashton Kutcher first, who strangely enough has a. This is what makes me think the phone number is like not good in the first place. It's a Verizon landline in New York, and yet the address listed is a LA address. Let's call it Ashton Kutcher here. I'm gonna try to punk him. Hello. I'm just kidding. Wouldn't it be funny if Ashton had a voicemail like, please leave a message for... Yeah, please leave a message. <laughs> what if every celebrity had that voicemail? Oh, this is boring. Not even a voicemail. What if Ashton's trying to sleep? I bet a lot, a lot of them, if they don't recognize the number... It's yeah, too bad you didn't have, like, Demi Moore's number, and you could call from that. You know, you could. <laughs> no, maybe I should. Some... I should have Parrish Hilton's number, and I could have her calling him. No, uh, yeah, that, that, if you could do that, figure that. Out. If you know how to do that, that would be great. Um. So Ashton Kutcher didn't answer at all. Uh, though that's kind of funny that his numbers didn't answer. I'd expect more of a disconnect or or a voicemail that's full or something. Uh, let's go down the list of Paris Hilton. This is a. Uh, this is what's really weird. She's going to answer. Well, if this is what's weird. I have two numbers. One of them is a 313 Michigan number with, like, question marks next to it. I think it's probably BS. I'm going to try it anyway. Then after that, a more real-looking Beverly Hills number. How did you score these? Uh, it was from exposed.su, and one of our users... At the subscriber's request. Yeah, so that's, that's number was never good. But I'm going to try this other one at 310, which is more promising-looking. Uh but, yeah, this was on some site which exposes these. I have a feeling that a lot of these were good at the time that it was posted, but if there's, like, a million people harassing them, 
they're not going to just wait for us to call, you know? Right. Like, in a perfect world, they're like, they've hung up on everyone except us, or nobody's calling except us, but we know that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, this is probably a... got disconnected or something. Yeah. For some reason, it's having trouble connecting to this uh, 310 number. I may have to call back. Uh, but we're going to go through the list here, and... Uh... Try this one back. This one just didn't connect at all. I think it was Skype's fault. This is uh, Paris Hilton again. The number that looks more realistic for when that would be for hers. And if it if it just won't connect, then I'll move on down the line because we got a lot, a lot of numbers to try here. I hope we strike. Like if we get one of these successfully, it'll be like gold. I'm obviously not looking to prank like ten celebrities tonight. That would be gold if we could nail one. Maybe get the governor. Yeah, see that 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 number just is just not connecting on Skype. I don't know what's wrong with it, so I'm, I'm gonna try move down the list and uh, let's see. Show dial pad. Here we go. No, she's not show dial pad. What am I doing? What am I add people to this call? Here we go. Um, I'm gonna try to get the governor. This is supposedly a uh, landline of Arnold Schwarzenegger's in Santa Monica, California. That rings right away. Hello? This is Arnold. Why are you calling me so late? <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm stooping my maid. Hello. You have reached Oak Productions. Ah, come on. If you on. know your party's extension. Oak Productions? What is this crap? That wasn't even right to begin with. And now I'm doubting this whole list. Should have left a message for Schwarzenegger. <laughs> what is Oak Productions? Okay, let's call Mel Gibson. I want to uh, maybe Alvin Finkelstein can call him. Ask him for some comments about Jews. We got four numbers for Mel Gibson. Oh, it'd be hilarious if he ever picked up. I'll ask if he wants to donate to the uh, Jewish Anti-Defamation League. This is supposedly a uh, landline. Oh. Hi, this is Diane. I'm either on the phone what? or away from my desk. Poor Diane. She's probably getting pranked all day. All right. I, I don't like how we're getting just... Names that have nothing to do, or seemingly nothing to do, with these celebrities. They probably just put this up to screw with people like me, who think they're going to reach celebrities, and just put up like random numbers. It's possible. Celebrities could be hoaxing the machines too. Yeah, this could be like a big punking by Ashton Kutcher himself. This line has been disconnected and is no longer in service. This is. <laughs> All right, that's uh, another. Supposed Mel Gibson number. Let's try third Mel Gibson number. We'll get one of these. Maybe it'd be like the last one we get. It'd be funny if like we get through to none of them and I get frustrated and just call Joe Biden anyway and get him. That'd be great. See, th- this is what really makes me s- suspicious. This phone number is listed both for 310 and 818. Yes, this is invalid phone number. So this, this was like never a working phone number to begin with. And so let's just the 818. Like, why would they possibly have the same phone number with two different area codes? There's no chance. Like, they're obviously getting like 
bad info. But I'm afraid to stop because some of this could be good. Next is Donald Trump, by the way. This is Mel Gibson one more time. Hi, this is Mel. If you're not Jewish, leave a message. At least maybe I can say I made uh, Mel Gibson's possible phone ring all night. Uh, let's try uh, Donald Trump. So far we're batting zero, but uh, even if we bat uh, 050 here, I'll be happy. It's kind of like me in a Major League Baseball game. I'd be happy just to get one hit. I'm not looking to hit for the cycle here. Donald Trump. Let's see if we can uh, fire him from this radio show. I want to get like at least one voicemail. I think I'm at the point like I'll be happy with a voicemail. My guess is if these numbers were posted online, there's no way that any of them will affect. Well, this may be voicemail. Hold on. Uh, that ring played with my mind. All right. Uh, move on to Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan. Uh, one time Hulk. One, one time. Please, a voicemail for Hulk Hogan. Please. And take some. Take a moment from rubbing lotion in your daughter's back and answer the phone. Hulk Hogan once told Ken Scaler to stop masturbating. It's a true story. <laughs> In 1986, he told him this on K-Rock. I'd like to hear this one. Ken Scaler called up when he was on Loveline and asked if it's normal for a 16-year-old to masturbate. Before transferring you to the Morgan Stanley voicemail system, take note. Please do not leave orders for financial transactions in your message. <laughs> Fortunately. Morgan Stanley cannot execute instructions left in voicemail. Thank you. Morgan Stanley. Okay, I'm about to give up on this. Some of these numbers are just so wrong. Let's just pick. Yeah, you know, I, I think. Like, I just got to see what what is supposed to be Mitt Romney's number. Let's call Mitt Romney's supposed cell phone. Like, there's a Massachusetts number. I'm starting to think if he's got a Massachusetts cell phone, since he hasn't been in Massachusetts in so long, that this has got to be like super old. Maybe that's what's going on. These are like numbers from years ago. I've also got to call Sarah Palin. This is Mitt Romney's supposed uh, cell phone in 617. I'm sorry, but the person you called has a voice mailbox that has not been set up yet. I, mean, I, heard, I heard Mitt Romney wasn't good at the internet, but that's, uh, that's an extreme here. Okay, let's try a, a Sarah Palin phone number and uh, probably be giving up. I'm not, I decided not to try them all since these numbers are just so far off. Disappointing. It's a good try, though. And if anybody ever gets some like less circulated celebrity numbers, especially ones you can verify are real, I'll be happy to call them, mess with them. Number you have reached is not in service. Wow, that's obnoxious. 
That's obnoxious. That's so much I've got to try the other side of the payload number just to hear what it says. The number you have reached is not at service. Get Phil Helmuth's number? Uh, unfortunately, no. I, I had it, but I lost it. Okay, bad guy, you can call in. We're not reaching anyone here. Sight equals joke. It's like a exposed.su didn't really expose anything other than uh, my time and the audience's time. This segment was a fail. Alrighty, so uh, 775 fraud 55 775-372-8355 or or 702-430-1808 please show your caller ID. Okay, let's. Uh, someone said uh, disappointed in this prank call statement. The segment had high hopes. I'm disappointed, but I had low hopes. I, I thought this was probably going to fail, but uh, it's one of these things where there's a, a high reward and small risk. The small risk is uh, wasting a little time on the radio show. The high reward is uh, getting yeah, through, getting through to one of them. All right, so uh, I, I want to talk about. Um, before we talk about the next next subject, let's put on the infamous bad guy twenty three. Hello. Uh, what? This is Mel Gibson. Did you just call my phone? Yes, Mel. I did. Uh, I'm glad you called me back. <laughs> Come on, man. You really thought that was going to be the real numbers? I didn't. No, I thought. You know what I thought? Actually, I thought they were once the real numbers that have been disconnected since they were exposed. I just, I just hoped that maybe like it hadn't been. That, that maybe maybe one would just answer on a whim, or maybe the call had died down. I don't know. I, I was just being an optimist. It was some homeless people like Ken that went and a bunch of payphone numbers, man. They didn't have any creativity behind this prank. They could have at least hooked up, like, you know, what I would call answer machines. You guys call it voicemails. And then they could say, hey, this is Tennessee, and thanks for calling. You know, that would have made it better, you know, but I guess. You gotta get off on people. You sure you can't get hacked by doing something like that? Like, I've heard you get hacked nah, doing shit no, like that. No, no, no nothing can happen. Uh, no, nothing. You know can what happen. I'm talking about? There's a way. There, there's something that happens like that, though. If you call certain numbers, no, and, that's not possible. Like, you no, no, it's not. Okay, man. Yeah. You know, I'm drunk, Jeff. I'm calling in the show. How you guys doing? All right, th- thank you for calling in, bad guy. And uh, I have nothing to talk about, man. They just want me to call in. Oh, okay. Well. Uh, well, I always got something to talk about. What do you guys want to talk about? We can uh, talk about anything you well, want. I don't know. We, we were just doing the show here, you know, and, and you called in. I wanted well, to take... I, had, I had a tragedy happen, man. Let me tell you my tragedy I had happened. Yeah, sure, this is sure. pretty fucked up. It's not even funny. All right, tell us. Okay, um, on uh, March 7th, I had another kid coming, and uh, she wanted to see the sex of the kid, and the kid was dead in her belly. How old? No, how far along was the pregnancy? It, no, yeah, she she was. Uh, uh, I think it was twenty five weeks. Oh boy, twenty four weeks. Yeah, yeah. Listen, but she didn't know she was pregnant right off the bat. I didn't know this until after New Year's. But no, it gets worse now. So now I'm like in what's end with this chick, and she has my my other daughter. Because uh, there was two ways to go about this. It was, uh, you know, you could see the pre- like you could deliver the kid, or they could go in there and get it, and you know, and 
you want to have to see and all this shit. And I said, I'm not staying in there for this. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to see this, you know? You understand what I'm saying? I mean, so there's a lot of people in my family that are mad at me now. And, Wait, you're, you know, saying, you're saying you didn't, so they actually had to take the, the baby there? Yeah, they uh, made her deliver. But they, oh, I see. They, they, listen, there were two options. She could deliver the kid or they could go in there and, you know, and you wouldn't have to do all that shit. Well, I said, if you do that, I'm telling you I'm leaving. And I left. I'm not. I'm gonna see my kid. Dead. And guess what? It was a boy too, man. I have two daughters. He knew it was gonna be a boy. They couldn't tell the sex of it when they did the sonogram, but uh, it strangled it. It wrapped itself three times with the umbilical cord around its oh, neck. There was nothing wrong with it. That's what happened, though. I mean, they could tell when it was, you know. But she wanted to do that so there could be an autopsy because they could do an autopsy. But uh, anyway, so I've been paying 150 bucks a week for hotels before that, and or day. Excuse me. Yeah, yeah. What would you have done? Would you have stayed in there with her? Yeah, I, I would have. It would have been depressing. I, really? But, uh, you would have? I, well, if I was married to this chick for 20 years, I wouldn't stay in there. I don't want to see that. Well, I when know, there's but... two options, why do that option? Well, if she wanted to. And she to, named she... the kid and all this bullshit? I well, don't agree with that, she, man. I yeah, guess... now I'm the bad guy, for real. Well, you know, it's your choice. I can understand why it's a very. Uh... Well, bro, I've seen a girl kill herself, man. I got I, I to see this again and still be sane. I'm already all fucked up. We all know that. Yeah, we do. I mean, but... shit, my whole life's on the internet. Yeah, well, at least I mean, you... seriously, I can't. If I if I see that Jeff, I'm not gonna, you know. And the whole time before it's going on, I'm I'm gonna blame her of what happened. Well, you can't blame I just her. Know how yeah, I am. No, these things just happen, though. You can't. Uh, you can't blame her. No, I understand, but you know, we didn't know what happened until you know. Then after that, when they said what happened, then you know, you feel a little bit like a douche. But you know, easy come, easy go, man. So anyway, I've been drinking it up since then. I'm staying in a nice, lavish hotel. I don't get any massages. You've been so. drinking it up since uh, since you were uh, <laughs> I've been drinking it up 14. since 2008, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I don't, th- I don't think that. Can, to be fair, I don't think that caused you to drink it up. But uh, um, it is obviously a tragic story there, and uh, especially to no, it was very sad, man. I never, and you know, you know. Then the thing is, when she got pregnant, because her and I weren't on good terms. You know, I said stuff that I shouldn't have said, not to her, but to myself and to, you know, kidding around with people. And then when something like that happens, you feel like a total fucking dick. You know, I mean, that fucking thing, I mean, that hurt me a lot. I couldn't, I mean, like, you shouldn't say dumb shit. It is a miracle when you have a kid. It really is. Well, there, there is a lot, there's, go there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot to go wrong that that, that can happen. Yep. There's a lot of things uh, that can occur. And, you know, since, since you called up and, and, uh, Poured, poured your heart out here to the listeners of Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I am going to now reveal something that a few people know, but that most people do not. A, a story that uh, is not as bad as yours, uh, but uh, has some similarity, and that is in March of 2011, or sorry, March of 2012, not 11. March of 2012, my girlfriend was pregnant with my second child and I never revealed this to the forum a month later I was actually in Phoenix and uh, my girlfriend was in California and I got a call that there was a problem with uh, with the pregnancy that a lot of blood was coming out and uh, I uh, by the time we went to the doctor it was too late, and in fact, uh, just about all traces of the uh, fetus was gone. 
that it, it was a miscarriage. Now, this was obviously a very early miscarriage. It's much less traumatizing when that happens than uh, when you have one that's 25 weeks. It's a huge difference. Sure. And this and this child probably had... Still the same, though, man. I yeah, mean, in yeah, a way, it's still the same. No, I mean, this, this child probably had something wrong, and that's why the miscarriage occurred, but you never know. And But it was, it was very sad for me, and what was especially sad was that I actually held out some hope when I heard about the blood because of me. Because my mom, in uh, about two and a half months into her pregnancy in 1971, actually lost a whole lot of blood, and it looked very much like I was going to be a miscarriage. And I uh, had like a miraculous survival where the, uh, the bleeding stopped, and, uh, and I lived. And uh, I, I, so I thought with that, I thought I, I didn't realize how unusual it was until we went to the doctor and I spoke about, you know, you know when she spoke about the amount of blood that came out and she said, uh, oh, yeah, it's almost sure that uh, I hate to tell you, but it's almost sure that the baby's gone. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, this, that same thing happened with me back in 1971. And I, I lived. And she said, that's highly unusual, extremely unusual to live after that amount of blood loss. But uh, so, I, but unfortunately, I had some hope, thinking that if you know, if I got through it, that maybe my my second child would. But it didn't. So uh, I I felt a little bit better when you know knowing that miscarriages occur about thirty thirty five percent of the time of all pregnancies. So it's just a it, it's hard to have multiple yeah, kids. Yeah. Well, I'll one. tell you this. I'll tell you this. That's what really pissed me off, though, because we're in there and I was with her, and she's uh, we're trying to see what the sex of the kid is, and you could. I could tell something was messed up because I've been through this now. This would have been my third time. And, like, the lady's like, oh, well, we can't. And, you know, the, the the last two times, I mean, you could hear the heartbeat, and it was going a mile a minute. And then, you know, they're going like this, and they're looking around. And then when the nurse comes in, and they're like, I'm not kidding you. I wanted to fuck them up. If I had a couple of drinks in me, I would have fucked somebody up in there. They're like, oh, this happens all the time. Like, like it was like, you know, well, nothing. Yeah, no, like they, nothing yeah, other, you they, know, I, I know that they're used to seeing this, and it's not their kid. But I don't, I mean, don't tell me this shit happens all the time, man. It don't happen all the time to me. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, I guess that's just how they have to do it. But that's what the person said, and they said it like twice. And I said, I told her right in there, I said, they say it again, I'm going to jail right in this fucking hospital. I, and I would have, but they, thank God they didn't. I would have went to jail. Because I'm sick of hearing this. Well, I think they're trying to comfort her by saying that, but it, it doesn't happen well, all the it, time. Well, especially, you know, especially that that. That deep into the pregnancy, like I'll be honest with you, right. like, with Benjamin, once he was twenty five weeks in, I I wasn't. I, you knew I was you not were money, and I thought we were money too, man. Yeah. And you know, and then I was, you know, at first I was like, oh fuck. I mean, I'm on child support for the one kid, and I mean, and I was like, oh fuck. I mean, I only had sex with this chick like once or twice. Like I said, we weren't on good terms. I got super sperm, but too bad I can't sell it. And make money on it because I'm too old and I drink too much. I think I think I think you sold your I think you sold your gambling. I don't know. I think if you sold your sperm, uh, we'd, I'd have to put up a second poker fraud alert here. There'd be uh, too many scams running out there. Come but. on, man. Are you nuts? My bottles of peach. That's great, though. No, you're nuts. No, I'm serious, though. I can get a girl pregnant quick. I mean, I don't understand that, especially as much as I drink. And, you know, I don't take care of myself anymore. But she got pregnant again. That's what's the crazy thing is. Unless it wasn't my kid. No, I probably was your kid. It's, it's, you know, it's, <laughs> no, I'm it's, just saying that. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, all joking aside, you got to joke about shit when stuff like this happens, man, because if you don't, you just eat yourself alive. And you just, you know, I did eat myself alive for five days after that. 
And I would never think this would bother me this much. You don't know the kid, but it's, you're crazy if you think that. This is, this is going to stick with me the rest of my life. Oh, yeah. I mean, no, how I much still, bullshit I, can someone go through, bro? No, I know. I, I still think about that. I still think about sometimes, like, you know, I wonder what that kid was. I wonder, you know, what it would be like if I had a second kid. Now, they, they actually, and there was a boy, too, man. That's what sucks. Because yeah. there was nothing wrong with the kid. It, like I said, it strangled itself with the umbilical cord three times. And the, they said it wrapped around three times, but it was a boy. Right, I knew well, it was a boy. I mean, once they told me it was dead, I would have bet anything I had it was a boy. Because well, that's just God fucking what makes it more. Well, that yeah. almost happened to me when I was born. The umbilical cord was strangling me when I came out. Really? So, so I guess, I guess uh, China Maniac, you and I have a, uh, the, something in common where we both had some uh, danger we survived through in a pregnancy. Yeah. So, anyway, See, I, I should have had the danger then. I'd be like you guys, better yeah. off, man. Yeah, maybe maybe you did. Up. Maybe you should ask Immaculate if uh, she had problems with you too. Maybe she did. Yeah, she didn't have any fucking problem. My mom had. Well, I have a sister that's dead though. The, the original TK. I told you guys that before. She she was only two beautiful little girls. Everything healthy when she was born, but she died of cancer when she was two years old. Man, yeah, my right. sister Tracy. So I mean, I mean, we've been through it all, man. But I mean, it just fucking sucks. Yeah. Especially that it was a boy too. No, it does. I mean, he'd have been the ne- he'd have been the next he'd have been the next he'd have been scamming all the sports books, guys. I mean, it'd have been done. All right. Well, so look, I, I don't want to depress the, the audience. is very depressed here in the chat room, and I understand why. That uh, uh, so so. Bad oh, we, guy, can, we can prank people if you guys want. To prank my mom. <laughs> so I mean, uh, I don't care. I'll give you the number. So okay. Uh, I mean. I, I I want to uh, I don't want to prank your mom after this. Uh, look, um, bad guy. I'm very sorry to hear what happened with you. I'm sure it's very tough to go through. And well, that's uh, not know. why I called, man. I called to like bitch at you and stuff and make fun of you. But I mean, I, I don't have it in me tonight. Yeah, that's, that's what they that, wanted, man. They that, wanted me to come out to draft, man. I, I understand. Yeah. Hey, I understand. wait, let's talk about Micon's new site, man. There's no form. What happened to all of our stuff? Uh, I, I don't want to talk about Micon. That's uh, you know. What about our radio stuff? Well, it's, you know, it's up to him. Ask him. I'm, I have nothing to do with it anymore. It says coming soon, uh, so stay tuned. All those posts you made on there, man, you're not pissed that they're all gone? Uh, I, I pretty much uh, wrote off that site when I left, so that's that's the way it is. I, I, I'm not going to talk about Mike on here, but, uh, you know, whatever, whatever he well, does. I'm not talking about Mike on, I'm talking about all our posts. They're all gone, man. Everything's gone from over there, man. It's like, you know, I thought we always had time in a bottle over there. Well, just just remember, gone, anytime, anytime sites upgrade, downgrade, sometimes you run into problems. So if you're worried about your posts and radio stuff, I'm sure, I'm sure he has it all backed up somewhere. So yeah, all right. Well, uh, bad guy. Uh, all right, man. Hey, well, hey, you guys keep doing a great job, China man. It's always great, Druff, You know, I love you like a brother, man, and China also. You guys keep up the good work on the site, man. And TK the pimp lives forever, man. Okay, thank right. you. Good TK luck the in the pimp. Turn I, 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 I named my, my kid TK the Pimp. I said, TK the Pimp, that's the name of the kid. <laughs> you, you got the name of the kid. She named the fucking kid. I said, I'm not naming this kid shit. All right. Anyway, peace out, fellas. Take you. care. Take care. It's a depressing story there from uh, Bad Guy op- opening up to us and, and even getting me to open up about, uh, and, and even uh, Chinese Maniac opened up about uh, almost uh, having the same thing happen to him with the umbilical cord. Yeah, and I so, ripped that thing right off, and you know, walked right out of there. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a really dangerous time. It's the most dangerous time in your life, except when you're really old, obviously. But uh, when when you're, uh, yeah, when you're a fetus, that's the most dangerous time that you'll be living through. The second most dangerous time is the first year of your life. You know, uh, again, uh, putting aside like when you're really old, but uh, once, I'll tell you, once Benjamin hit one. 
and like his first birthday is not a magical time. Yeah, it's not. Uh, there's not some magical thing that changes. But when he was one and he was okay, I, I breathed a sigh of relief because the, even right. during the first year, a lot of things can happen to children. And then yeah. a- after the first year, they get a lot more stable. And uh, so, I mean, it, it's very tough when. It, and of course, the longer the child is, is alive, or or the further along the pregnancy is, it's the tougher it is. And and I had uh, at least the miscarriage that I went through uh, last year was only a month into the pregnancy and uh and so at least i was able to say look you know these things happen and there's probably something wrong with the pregnancy but it's, it's still very sad and, and i still sometimes think about the child and what they would have been and and all that so anyway let's let's uh, get away from the uh, depressing talk here and and get back to the agenda uh let's talk about bitcoins you know since uh i i don't want to talk about mike on as i said but uh We'll talk about a, a topic that I know Micon loves to talk about, and I don't talk about much on this show. But uh, bitcoins, fifty nine point nine nine eight right now. Yeah. That's where they're sitting at. Yeah, it's 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 really just been rocketing up in value. Uh, for those of you that don't know, most of you do. Uh, bitcoins are like an alternative digital currency. They don't have any real value, uh, but uh, you can trade them. For real money, mostly through this site called Mount Gox, that's mtgox.com, you can buy and sell your bitcoins on an exchange, similar to like the stock market, like buying stocks. And uh, so you can convert them to real money through this Mount Gox site. And for the longest time, bitcoins were about $5 each. Then they moved up to like 15 but then they sat there for a long time. Uh, there, there was one real big crash when a big hacking occurred of bitcoins that sent them down to be worth a few cents each. But uh, then it recovered. Anyway, in the last few months, it's shot up from like seventeen dollars to sixty dollars. The, the last price is in the high fifty nines, and uh, they've sold as high as sixty two dollars at one point. And just it seems like every day the bitcoins are going up. And uh, you know, I've been a critic of bitcoins and some are saying well Jeff look you were wrong look look how much they're look how much bitcoins are worth now and I want to say I was never claiming that bitcoins were not going to go up in value I was never claiming that they didn't have the potential now am I surprised they're trading for $60 right now yes I didn't expect that uh, I don't know if anybody expected that for them to be $60 in March of 2013 uh, how high will it go? I don't know. I actually think it's going to continue rising. How far? I don't know. But that, my guess is it's actually going to continue rising. Uh, you think they could hit a hundred? Yeah, I, I think the reason that they're rising is because one, everyone's seeing them rise and figuring if they get in now, they'll make money. Uh, two, I mean, it's kind of similar to the housing boom of the, of the uh, mid two thousands. Two. There's starting to be some mainstream acceptance of bitcoins at legitimate businesses. So, you know, bitcoins are they're an anonymous currency. You, they're uh, if if they get stolen from you, tough luck. That, that's one of their weaknesses. But uh, at the same time, their strength in that you can buy things with bitcoins, and there's no trace about of the transaction. It's just uh, or you or who you are or anything. So. Um, there's a lot of things that can be done with them legitimately and not so legitimately that um, 
have been attracting people to them. For example, there's a site called Silk Road where people, among other things, trade bitcoins for drugs through the mail. And when I say drugs, I mean like uh, you know cocaine and uh, other very illegal drugs. Now, how do I feel about bitcoins? And of course, there's bitcoin gambling sites out there as well. You know, poker sites, uh, casinos. How do I feel about bitcoins now? Now that this has happened, now that bitcoins have shot up to sixty dollars, every day seem to be going up. How can I have anything critical at this point to say about bitcoins? Um, I actually have the same attitude about bitcoins now as I always have, and uh, that's not to hate them. I've never hated them, and that's not to say that they have no chance to go up in value because they have been, and I think they continue to go up. I think the problem with Bitcoin is that it's an exchange. The, the, the value they have is only what people are willing to pay for them. So the biggest problem here is that if something happens to disrupt the market, then we're going to have a situation where everyone is going to want to dump these Bitcoins to not have the value plummet to two cents and be left holding the bag. That's the big problem here. Because... Uh, they're only worth what people want to pay for them. If the public decides bitcoins are only worth a penny, they're worth a penny. They don't have any real value. Like, let's look at real estate, for example. Now, real estate also has some like implied value where people pay for what they think it's going to be worth in the future or, or how good they think the area around it is. But at least when you buy real estate, you own a house. You own the land. You, you, know, you actually own something with some real value that can only go so low. There's no chance you're going to buy a house and, and have it be worth five cents uh, next year. It's just not going to happen because it, it always has value. The structure has value. The land has value. It may fall from what you bought it, but it's not going to go to about zero uh, because these have real value. Bitcoins don't have real value. Bitcoins only have the value of what people are willing to pay to acquire them from you. And that's a huge difference. So um, if we already saw an example of the Bitcoins falling to almost zero when there was a huge hacking. Now, yes, it recovered. But that's an example of that the second something really bad happens involving bitcoins, people panic sell. And panic selling of any stock sort of thing causes uh, a complete plummeting of the value, approaching zero. Now, what is the big danger to bitcoin's value? The big danger is interference by the U.S. government. Now, anyone who thinks the U.S. government can't interfere with bitcoins must not remember April 15, 2011, Black Friday, when the U.S. government interfered with and shut down Full Tilt and PokerStars, seized their domain, and uh, you know really just stopped their operation. People used to say that was impossible. The U.S. government has a lot more power and influence, even on a global scale, than many people realize. And if they really find something to be important, they can make it happen. If the U.S. government wants to throw a big wrench into the whole Bitcoin operation, they can. They cannot completely stop Bitcoins from existing, but they can make it to where it's so hard to trade them for real money that they become virtually worthless. Right now, their value really only lies in the fact that people are willing to pay for them, and people know they can exchange them for real money. You take the ability to exchange them for real money away, and their value drops to about zero. That's the problem here. Now, why might the U.S. government go after Bitcoins? Well, Bitcoins create various legal issues. Uh, I already mentioned the trade of illegal drugs. Now, maybe the government doesn't care all that much about some dude getting on there and buying a little bit of cocaine with his Bitcoins. But they will care 
if it starts to be used in larger drug transactions, like dr- transactions between dealers, where instead of bringing a suitcase full of cash, uh, bitcoins are traded uh, for for drugs. Or people buying AK-47s, like stuff like that. Right, right. Uh, I, in fact, yeah, that's another good one. The, uh, the purchase of weapons that will then be used in some sort of horrible fashion, something like the Sandy Hook shooting. If someone yeah, you buys, can go, you can go on there and buy like grenade launchers. and yeah, stuff. yeah. If something really bad happens, a mass shooting, bombing, whatever, uh, with weapons purchased with bitcoins, the government will definitely take some action to stop that. Uh, to, to go after the whole thing, uh, money laundering, another concern. Obviously, you know, not hard at all to do with bitcoins when it's all anonymous. Uh, funding of terrorism. Right now, it's very difficult to get a five-figure or more sum into the U.S. from abroad without potential scrutiny. I'm not saying it can't be done, but it, it, you're always you always have to worry when you're wiring money into the U.S. from another country, even a friendly country, that the bank may look at it and say, "Hey, what's this?" and tell the government. And the government uh, may look into you. So if you're a terrorist, a very good way to get money into the country right now is through bitcoins. So uh, you know, th- you, there's no trace of where it came from. Uh, the, you know, so you can cash out your bitcoins if you're a terrorist here in the U.S. That uh, you, the bitcoins you were sent by someone in, in a hostile Muslim country. And I think never... that would be a huge reason for them to step in. Would be like uh, funding of like, you know, funding like a terrorist funding yes. an organization. Yes. So so if this, uh, you know, and believe me, the government's aware that this can be done. It's not like I'm I'm giving anyone ideas that no one's thought of. This this is obvious if you know about bitcoins. Uh, illegal gambling. There's uh, bitcoin poker sites, bitcoin uh, casinos. I don't know if there's a Bitcoin sportsbook, but there's all kinds of Bitcoin gambling out there. Uh, and if you can trade, if, you, if you're just doing it for Bitcoins that don't have any translation back to real money, it's, it's, there's nothing wrong with it legally. But if you're doing it with the expectation that you can then trade it back for real money, then it becomes real money gambling. And, and believe me, the government's not happy about this. Uh, otherwise, everyone would just start up Bitcoin poker sites all over the place. I don't mean like just individuals. I mean, big companies would do it. And say, okay, play for bitcoins and just you know trade them at your own risk. The reason that this isn't being done on a large scale is because it has very questionable legality. So uh, the government wants to step in and put a stop to that. Now, I don't think the government right now is, is interested in going after the, the existing bitcoin gambling sites. But they're just not that large. But uh, if, if they do ever really grow to become big, uh, I, I don't see this being ignored. Uh, tax evasion, another one. Uh, people could easily shuffle around bitcoins to avoid paying taxes, uh, delay paying taxes, and, and there'd be no paper trail. Uh, so many ways to do this. I, I won't bother to detail them, but you can easily use bitcoins to evade taxes. Uh, and then another big reason that bitcoins may be eventually interfered with by the U.S. government is that they're an alternative currency, and the U.S. government hates alternate currencies in the U.S. They want all currencies and monetary instruments to be in U.S. dollars and uh, and not managed by any kind of third party. They don't want any kind of alternative currency or monetary instrument being used here to pay debts. And uh, that's why there are such strict regulations against casino chips being used to pay for anything other than gambling. So you, you can't walk out of the Bellagio 
and go to McDonald's and say, hey, here's a $5 uh, Bellagio chip. Give me a Big Mac and fries. You can't do that. It's very illegal to do that. You're not supposed to be paying for anything with your gambling chips other than taking them to the cage and getting them exchanged for real money in that casino itself. You're not supposed to pay any other debts with that money because it's not a currency. It's just a, uh, a a chip to represent U.S. dollars at that property. Now, you're allowed to leave with the chips, but you're not allowed to do anything with them other than bring them back into the casino and uh, and cash them in. You're not allowed to use them to pay debts. That's why uh, if I walk up to the Bellagio with a $5,000 chip and they say, hey, where'd you get this? And I go, oh, my, my friend China Maniac gave it to me. He owed me 5000 bucks." They'll say, thank you. They'll take it from me. And they can legally do it. Because that will mean that China Maniac paid me a debt with an alternative currency, that chip. And they have a right to seize it. So the U.S. isn't going to just sit there while an alternative currency exists and thrives and is used by many Americans. They may sit for a while figuring out what to do and how to go about stopping it. But they're not going to just sit there and let this go on for eternity. It's not going to happen. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when the U.S. government goes after bitcoins. It may, there may have to be some catalyst. There may have to be some uh, major drug trading involved. There may have to be some tragedy involving guns that were purchased illegally through bitcoins. It could be major money laundering that's found or, or, or some kind of terrorist act or attempted terrorist act. It could be a crackdown on gambling or tax evasion or just a... just. Deciding they want to do away with an alternative currency in the U.S. But Bitcoin, it's going to happen. There's going to be some sort of intervention by the U.S. government, probably aimed at something like Mt. Gox. And if you're holding Bitcoins, and this starts to happen, what are you going to do? Are you going to say, no, I'm just going to sit on my Bitcoins and I'm sure this will pass? No, no way. If this happens, you and everybody else is going to say, damn it, it's going to crash. Everyone's going to sell. I better sell before the price drops even further. And it's probably be- take. How long do you think it, it, it takes? A while for them to build, like a case or whatever against these things. Like even like with stars full tilt, it took them a good what five years to, you know. Yeah, it, it will take a while, and that's why. Um, but we don't know if this has been in the works for a while. That's there, true. There, too. Was a, there was a report I read from the FBI about bitcoins back in April, so that's been almost a year since then. Now. Uh, th- it could be several years till they do something. That's true. So that's why I'm saying if you want to buy some bitcoins right now as a short-term investment, and you know you're risking it. You know you're risking to lose it all. But if you, if you think it's going to keep going up and you want to buy some as an investment, fine. I would suggest if you're going to do that or if you want to mine them or whatever. I'm even thinking of trying to mine them myself. Uh, because what does that mean? Oh, I don't so even understand that. The mining is a weird process where... Um, you use your computer to solve a uh, cryptographic equation, and and uh, and then it, once you've solved this this puzzle, it's actually more of a puzzle than an equation. Once you've solved this puzzle with your computer, uh, then you're awarded a, uh, a a certain bitcoin, like a certain number of bitcoins for doing so. And it gets harder and harder to do this. It becomes more and more complicated to do this. What, what is the point in doing it, though? That's um, what I don't understand. It's, it's to like control expansion of the currency. Otherwise, uh, otherwise, if there's no expansion, it, it would just be one guy like just saying, okay, I'm creating uh, you know, 25 million right. bitcoins, and I'm selling them all to you. Like It didn't start that way. It's, it's, it was supposed to uh, – now, of course, people who got in the ground floor could, mark, could generate them much 
more quickly the way it's set up. So those people, if they didn't sell too early, just are making bank right now if they're selling. It still sounds ridiculous, though. Couldn't you get some like uh, some the best computer guy in the world to do this, and he could just mine a zillion like no, it, whatever. It's, it's something that requires processing power. And so, so the thing is, the, the the theory was at least when the bitcoins weren't worth all that much. That uh, uh, now back in the day, it was definitely worth doing. But uh, it, it was the theory was that uh, it started to actually not be worth mining them just for the both the wear and tear on your computer and the uh, and the electricity involved. But now that it's worth so much, um, I, it may actually be worth. Doing Bitcoin mining, it wasn't worth it before. When it was worth five bucks, now that it's worth sixty bucks, it may actually be worth mining them. But let's say I mine them, or let's say I bought some, I'd probably sit there and 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 watch what it did. If if it started to to fall, like I, I wouldn't worry if it fell a few dollars. But if it started to to consistently fall, I'd probably sell and just take the loss. Uh, if it kept rising, I'd probably wait until it's some amount I'm happy with, a percentage I'm happy with making, and then just sell. Because you're, you're always risking that it's either going to top out and start going back down, or worse, there's going to be some kind of action against Bitcoins, either from the government or some kind of major hacking that erodes people's confidence, and it, it, it'll crumble down to uh, a few pennies, if that, per Bitcoin. So uh, I, I would, if I were to do this, I would make it like a short-term thing. And maybe I'd cost myself money by not holding on longer, but I'd make it a short-term thing where I'm saying... Just in and out. Yeah, I'm looking just for some to make some money here. And uh, uh, Matt the Rat is saying in chat that uh, still for the average computer, you can't make money. You need a special setup, and that's very possible. Um, it, it, he said it requires more of a good graphics card than anything else. I haven't looked into the process of doing it, so I'm not going to claim to be an expert on that. But... Um, you know, I, I thought maybe with such the such an increase in value, it might be worth doing again. But here's another question I had for you about these things. Like people are saying, you know, food trucks are taking them, and I've heard some donut houses are accepting them. No, how do you pay with them? Like, uh, let's say you go in and you buy a donut or something that would be like two dollars. Do they take like a percentage of like your bitcoin? Like, how does that work? Like, if a bitcoin's worth whatever sixty dollars. And you're buying something that would technically uh, you, be like five or ten dollars. How does that get deducted? You can pay with with fractions of bitcoins. Okay, so you can pay with fractions. Okay. Yeah, and uh, right. I yeah, didn't so, know if you had if they were in full. I didn't. I wasn't sure how that worked. And you know what? If a poker site, I'm not playing online poker these days. But if they if they allowed you to withdraw with bitcoins, and I was playing on a site that allowed that, would I do it in bitcoins rather than wait four months for a check? Of course, I would. Uh, right. I wouldn't. I wouldn't hang on to the bitcoins. What I would do is I would uh, get them and immediately sell all or most of them. Uh, right. You know, whatever. I if I kept any, it would be just uh, as like an investment to see uh, if they go up. But I would cash out everything but what I would like to keep as an investment. And uh, uh, so, like, let's say I had fifty thousand on a poker set. I would not convert that all to bitcoins tomorrow. I would do it slowly, right. a few thousand at a time, because I wouldn't want to risk that much of uh, of it falling to zero. So, uh, but but so I, as I said, I'm not against them, and in fact, uh, they could be used for practical uh, transactions such as cashing out of poker sites that exist today, and and, and be worth doing that way. So I'm, I'm not against them. I'm just saying be careful because they they, they can either go up, kind of sit around the same for a while, 
you know, start to slip down or just crash big time. There's always a chance they're going to be worth next to nothing. Call, you're on the air. Hey, it's MTR. Matt the Rat, hello. Hey, Good. Matt. Yeah, actually, hey, guys. Um, I kind of looked into it a bit. I'm by far no expert, but I think basically what you – it uses um, high-end graphics cards like these ATI HD cards, and there's a lot – there's tons of YouTube videos on it. But for the average user, the amount of electricity you use and the length of time it takes you and the cost of all the equipment, you basically break even or make like 50 bucks a month running it like 10 hours a day. Yeah. And you, there's, there's a couple companies selling these super ASIC, like some kind of super-duper computer chip machine for like 1500 bucks or whatever that is supposed to do it 10 times faster. But, and I think one's called Butterfly Labs, but apparently they've just been taking money for the last six months and no one's actually got a machine yet. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of controversy. I actually know somewhat about the Butterfly Labs controversy. There is a lot of uh, speculation that it's a scam and that they've they've sold millions of dollars in pre-sales for something they haven't produced yet. And then people are are very concerned that uh, maybe this is just a big scam. And that's uh, what they're claiming they're going to produce is just a phantom product. Or even if it's not a, a complete scam, maybe that they just have uh, high hopes for something that they think they can produce but really uh, don't have the ability to do so right now. So Yeah, like and, why would somebody, say if they had a machine or whatever that powerful to produce these things, why would they sell them? doesn't make yeah, sense. Yeah, and the, the thing is there, there is another company, I can't remember the name, and apparently they're supposed to be more reputable, but once again, like – you can't. At least they're not taking orders right now because I guess they're they're still in production or whatever. But like I looked into it, and if you spent around two grand, you could make your own machine with like four high end cards and stuff. But you're still only making like a couple hundred dollars a month for all that effort. Now, I mean, if bitcoins go to two uh, like a hundred dollars, but then the thing is, more and more people will get interested. So then it, it's kind of like this never ending thing, unless you have one of these super powerful machines. You know, even if it goes to 100, more people are going to do it, so it gets harder to mine. Yeah, yeah, that, that is a problem. Yeah, so it probably isn't worth it's it. It's like the never-ending cycle. But, like, I did look into it, and I was thinking the only way is if you had one of these, I think they're called the ASIC machines, and it's, like, it's interesting. And, you know, the thing is, because, you know, from other people saying it, like, and I, I was kind of watching it when it went up and then down. I was like, you know, it would be kind of neat to throw in, like, I I was thinking of throwing in, like, five grand when it was, like, a dollar. Huh. And and I thought ah no you know I just you know who knows because it went up and then it crashed and I've seen other you know fiat currency digital currencies but you know it's just one of those things I guess if I took the gamble now I mean I'd be laughing I'd, I'd probably cash out at a, at about fifty bucks yeah yeah anyone who held on to a lot of bitcoins uh, made a lot of money uh, the question is who you know who held on to them and who who spent them or cashed them out before but. Uh, Definitely, and I, I think there may be still some money to be made. I, I, I don't see it rising to something like three hundred, though. I, 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 guess. I, I think what's going to happen, though, I think it might hit that hundred, and that's like a psychological barrier. And then some people are going to start selling, and then one one guy that has like say ten million dollars worth or whatever is going to say, "Okay, I'm going to ship it in at a hundred bucks," and then he's going to start selling. And then it might crash all the way down to five bucks again within like three days. Yeah, and all those businesses that are are taking it. Like as a payment, if I was him, I would be cashing it out on a daily basis. Yeah, I would too. If you hold it and it crashes, you're screwed. Yeah, you're right. And uh, uh, it's 
you bring, you raise a good point. You raise a very good point about the psychological barrier uh, of the hundred that, uh, and and also that once the value starts going down, that everyone may panic, like, oh my god, this is it, they're all falling now. Okay, I got to get rid of it. Like that, that's what I'm so worried about with Bitcoin. The, the slightest thing that happens that makes people see it falling, everyone's going to have the same thought: I've got to sell, and it's going to go shoo all the way down, like it's so fast. And that that's what that's what scares me about it. So, and there, there have been. I don't know, like on the internet, there's always like, you know, high yield investment programs. It's all like a pyramid scam thing. But about five years ago, there was like these, there was real popular were the digital um, stock markets. And they just named it like stock alpha, stock beta, stock beta or whatever. And, you know, and it was always, it was always the same thing. It would start off at say like a dollar. It would rise a bit. It would dip a little bit. And then it would shoot up to like 10 or 10 or 20 bucks. And then within two or three days, it would be worth pennies because people are just dumping. So I think I think that could happen, and uh, I don't know. It, it's it's one, it's like a, it's a huge gamble. Me personally, I don't think I would buy any right now because I think it would crash. Like if it crashed down to like a few bucks, I might throw in a thousand and just hoping it will go back up. But I just I don't know. I mean, it's kind of scary, right? It's sixty bucks, and it's like, do you want to take the chance to double your money now, or wait till it goes to a dollar, and then if it goes back up again, you might get like fifty times your money. Yeah, that's a good point. That uh, is a good point that maybe it's better to wait for the crash and then try to uh, uh, buy mean, a bunch of them. gamble it anyway, right? Yeah, that's that's what I think I'm going to do. I'm going to wait and see if these things crash, and then I might buy some, see if they run back <laughs> up. But I think just $60, I mean, just because they were so, so much lower, it just seems like, you know, this they could be topped out right now. Yeah, know? they could but, be. And, and yeah, the psychological barrier is a good point. There's a lot, a lot of things to it, so... Yeah, uh, too bad you can't short it like a stock, though, right? Like when it gets near that hundred, like you know, a stock you can sell it first and then buy it back when it's low. You can't do that yeah, with Bitcoin, I, I don't think. Yeah, right? I, I, I anyway, wanted to, I, I wanted to do that actually with the. Uh, yeah, I wanted to do that with the housing market in the, in the U.S. in the uh, mid two thousand. I, I, I wanted to short houses. <laughs> you couldn't do that either. So uh, okay, well, we'll see you guys when we come when I come out there. Yeah, we'll, we'll see you, Matt the Rat. Always enjoy seeing you, and uh, we'll see you this summer. Okay. Bye. Bye. Take care. Matt Therat, a, a nice guy, Canadian, as you can tell from his voice, uh, always brings out uh, unique Canadian gifts, usually food, uh, and uh, gives them here. And uh, very, very nice guy. Met him before and uh, regularly listened to the show. And I made a very good and informative phone call here and brought up a lot of points that I hadn't even really thought of about Bitcoins. So, uh, and some things he's already looked into that I haven't even started to look into yet. So how would you handle it? Cause I was thinking about, I saw a good, good game running like a 10, 20 game running on a Bitcoin poker site. Um, the other night it was three, four handed, whatever. But if you were to buy whatever, 10, 10 Bitcoins, let's so whatever you spend 600 bucks, how would you deal with cashing out with that? If you know, let's say you want a thousand bucks, would you just keep enough in there to play and just cash out rapidly? Yeah. That's what I would do. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about doing if I was gonna try it, but that's not. I'm just worried about the thing crashing. Yeah, but, yeah I mean, uh, yeah, that, that is a problem. Like you play Bitcoin poker, and uh, I mean, I guess it can work both ways. Like if it goes way up, you're like, oh, my bankroll just increased, and I did nothing. But uh, how, how much of a pitcher would it be if you won like a whole lot, and then, right. uh, but then you lose so much from the Bitcoin value that you actually ended up losing? Like that'd be a killer. Right. You just have to rapidly cash it out. That's yeah. all. That's so, the only way to do it. So, all Otherwise, right. I mean, it would suck putting, imagine putting in like two months of like 
hardcore grinding, and then all of a sudden it just crashed on you. <laughs> Damn it, I won so much, and I ended up losing. Right. How's it, possible to, how's it possible to like never have a losing day for two months and then lose? Like, yeah, that would be awful. That, that would be the worst. A uh, little note about the forum before we talk about the final topic, Jerry Yang. Uh, there's been some requests for a feature called Reputation or Rep. Now, this is... Uh, a standard feature in vBulletin, which is the forum software we use, where you can give a, uh, a positive or a negative point to people's posts and, and then even put a comment with, uh, a, that, that gets attached to the post of why you gave people positive or negative. Uh, a lot of people have requested it. I have refused to put it in because I personally don't really like reputation on these sites because I find it creates like a popularity contest and creates silly wars between people who want to keep negative repping each other. And, um, you know, like someone sees they got a negative reputation on their post from someone. They're like, Oh, next time that guy posts, I'm going to negative rep him. And it's just so stupid. It detracts from the forum. But on the other hand, uh, it does result in a lot of, uh, funny comments. It, It makes the forum more entertaining and I've seen it used on other sites and I've, um, I actually enjoyed it for a while on some sites I've uh, lurked on. But uh, but then when it degenerated into stupid rep arguments, then it made the site unreadable. So I didn't do it on PFA for the entire first year it's been up. You know, Poker Fraud Alert's been up slightly more than a year now. But uh, I decided to put it to a poll, and so far, overwhelmingly, the users want rep. Right now, the voting goes... 34% really, really want it. 26% sort of want it. So that's uh, pretty much almost 60% there in the uh, yes category. Uh, 11% don't want it but don't feel that strongly about it. 11% hate it. And uh, about 18% say, hey, I don't care. So uh, it's like right now 60 to uh, 22 to 18. That's pretty strong in the favor of reputation and uh, if it stays this way I probably will overrule myself and put it in because uh, I I really want this site to be something that the users enjoy and I, I like to base most of my decisions on what will people enjoy here for the most part over what do I personally like now there's some things I feel very strongly about that I don't care what everyone says. I'm just going to do it the way that my vision is for the site. So I'm not saying that people can just vote on anything and uh, majority rules with the way the sites run. But there are some things that I you know, prefer a different way that if, if most of the users are the opposite of the way I want it, I'll change and I'll go the way they want it just to make the site more enjoyable for the majority. And you'll never get everyone agreeing on anything. So there will always be people who get pissed off when something gets changed or added or removed. But, uh, you know, this is one of those things where I said, you know what, I don't really want this, but I'm going to see what the users want. If the users want it, then I'll add it. So right now it really looks like the users want it, so you may see it on the site soon. Uh, let's talk about Jerry Yang. Jerry Yang this is not a good week for World Series of Poker winners. Uh, Greg Raymer caught with a prostitute or trying to get with a prostitute. And uh, now we have Jerry Yang, who is uh, <laughs> apparently in financial trouble. This is another person I didn't expect, because he was kind of just a, a casual player 
who uh, just ran really well and also played his big stack well, had a lot of balls the way he played at the end, and and won $7.5 million, uh, I believe at least pledged to give 10% away to charity, uh, got to be well known for his uh, praying at the table and uh, you know, very, <laughs> very, very Christian guy here. And uh, but but I, I didn't expect him to go broke. I, I just kind of pictured him as like a family man who's you know, a Christian family man who uh, wanted to give some of it back to charity and uh, and was not going to go nuts and, and chunk off all the money in a few years. Well, I was wrong. This is from Treasury.gov, the Department of the Treasury Internal Revenue Service. Uh oh. Now. I don't know how much tax he paid on his uh, World Series of Poker win. He was supposed to pay a lot because you win $7.5 million at once. You, you owe the government a lot of money. Uh, and he, he owes this, he would especially owe a lot because he owes a lot at a you know, very high tax rate for the uh, um, to the federal government and, in addition, owes a lot to the state government because he was a resident of California when he won the money. In fact, he still is. California has the highest tax rate for state income tax. So, uh, Jerry Yang is facing a public auction sale. What's that? I'll read it to you. April 4th, 2013, 11 a.m. There's an auction in Sacramento, California. And you can bid on the following. You get all of this together, I believe. A quorum bracelet and quorum watch won at the 2007 World Series main event. So you'll get Jerry Yang's bracelet and a watch he got as well. A quorum ladies' watch. Whitnauer watches. Movado watches. Rockwell timekeeper. So apparently he really likes watches. Uh, Raymond Whale watch. Gold herring bone necklace and bracelet. White gold bracelet with blue sapphires and and diamonds. Uh, bracelet with mom inscription. 14K man's... That's uh, 14 carat. Man's gold bracelet with WSOP champ written on it. He obviously had that printed himself. Printed himself. Uh, man's gold necklace with an ace, ace of hearts pendant with white embedded diamonds. 10 carat. Uh, silver breastplate mong. H-M-O-N-G. I guess it's pronounced mong. Cultural jewelry. So... As you see, Jerry Yang has a lot of jewelry. And for a minimum bid of $6,389.40, you can even bid by mail. Um, Actually, it says the assets will first be offered in the aggregate and then as individual lots and will be declared sold by whichever method receives the highest bid amount. So I guess you can say, I'm bidding this much on the whole thing or I'm just bidding on this thing by itself. And what they're going to do is when they determine the highest bids on everything, they'll add it all up. And if selling them off individually will net the most money for the government, they'll do it that way. If selling it to one guy who bid for the whole thing together is the highest, they'll do it that way. But it's either going to be one or the other. They're not going to like sell half of it and then uh, together and then half individually. It's either going to be all individually or all together, depending on which fetches the most money. So you can either go to Sacramento to 4330 Watt Avenue in uh, Sacramento on uh, April 4th and bid on this stuff at uh, 10 a.m. Or you can do it by mail. And the minimum bid for this whole 
group of stuff is sixty three hundred eighty nine dollars, which is no chance it goes for that. I mean, if if I could get that for sixty three eighty nine, I would snap accept that because I, you could resell that for much much more. This is actually worth a lot of money. All this stuff together. Uh, I mean, even the bracelet itself has enough diamonds and gold on it to be worth a lot just if you melted them down. Uh, the question is, why is this happening? Why are they taking all of Jerry Yang's jewelry, including even a cultural Mong silver breastplate, and selling it? And there's pictures of this stuff. You can you can go to the thread on Poker Fraud Alert on the Flying Stupidity Forum. You can see pictures of uh, all these things, that uh, including the the funny thing he has that says World Series Champ that uh, he had uh, made for himself. It's it's just, This one totally shocked me uh, for a couple of reasons. One, you win the main event, you know, you're out in the... It's, you know, it's just like a given that you have to pay those taxes. They're going to see that no matter what. And number two, this guy just didn't strike me as the type of guy. I just figured, you know, this guy's going to win the main event. He's set for life. He just didn't strike me as someone that would come out and blow money or I don't know what he did, but it looks like he had a big jewelry habit or something there. Um, I don't know. It just uh, kind of caught me by surprise here. You know, yeah. I haven't seen this guy lining up to play 10Ks. I, I don't know if he played online poker. Like, just seemed like someone that got really lucky and won the main event, you know? Yeah, well, um, someone brought up that what you know, in the chat room, Grenada Rogers said, how do I know this is really Jerry Yang stuff? What if he sold this to somebody else? It doesn't say anywhere on here that uh, this is his stuff. It just happens to be his bracelet. What if he sold his bracelet or gave his bracelet to somebody else? It's possible, but I don't think it's likely. Uh, especially with... Uh, some of the stuff that's yeah, in there. Yeah, some of the stuff like the silver breastplate, Hmong cultural jewelry. I mean, uh, I don't know. I just... Uh, I think that uh, the chance of all this stuff ending up in somebody else's hands and having it uh, then go to auction, you would think if this person, let's say Jerry Yang, sold his bracelet to a friend or relative, and then this person ran into big financial trouble, you would think this person would go back to Jerry, you know, who presumably would still have money, and go, hey, look, I know I bought your bracelet, can, can I sell it back to you because I'm, I'm broke? And provided it's not a stranger, Jerry, who, who you know obviously is a generous guy who gave ten uh, percent to charity, would say, "Oh yeah, sure, sorry about that. You know, sorry to hear about your trouble. Yeah, I'll, I'll just buy it back from you." Like, but the, like here, there's the bracelet and the watch that comes with the bracelet because you you actually get a quorum watch along with the bracelet, and uh, I, I, a lot of these other watches he bought himself, apparently. But uh, I have to imagine this is Jerry Yank stuff, and I I have to think that this is just probably poor expenditures of the money and it's very easy to waste that amount of money because he didn't waste 7.5 million because he didn't get 7.5 million from his win he had to pay a lot of taxes so maybe he got half of that uh, or maybe a little bit more than half but not that much more than half and and it's been six years and it's not hard to run through that amount of money in six years it, it's just not and and keep in mind he also opened a restaurant in, in, and now he lives in Merced California and he has a restaurant there and, and those can be huge money pits if they go down, and you just keep pumping. If you keep pumping money into a restaurant, it can it can be an endless money pit. Yeah, yeah. So there, I mean, there's so many ways you can waste money, and, and when you just find yourself with 
a large sum of money that wasn't there before, it's very easy to get the idea that you could just spend, that you just have money that's never going to run out, and, and you know, you spend 30000 here, 50000 there, 100000 there, they go, oh, yeah, that's all right, I have millions, who cares? And then it all adds up, and, and you're broke. Uh, now, he has this restaurant in Merced called Pocket Eights Sushi and Grill. And uh, it's in Merced. It has three stars on Yelp with 62 reviews. Three stars is, is technically an average rating. But whenever I go on Yelp and I see something with three stars, I usually stay away because people tend to overrate on Yelp. Uh, people tend to give four and five stars pretty liberally on there. So if you see something with three, that means it probably got a lot of ones that counteract the fives it got from people who are like regulars or shills. And uh, usually you'll find a lot of bad reviews in anything that only has three stars. Uh, the thing I've seen most consistently is not so much problems with the food, though there are some, com- some complaints there, but that the customer service there is horrendous. That uh, it's run by people who have no clue how to run a restaurant. Everyone's confused. Everyone's kind of rude. Uh, everything's a mess there. Uh, there was even a report in April 2012, and this had been open since 2011, that they hadn't had menus printed yet. Like, just fail things like that. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, here. Um, this is someone who gave it two stars. This is by far not the worst review. This is just a two-star review of someone who's not very happy with it. Um, if if I'm comparing this place to other sushi experiences outside of Merced, I'd probably be giving it one star, but sadly, probably one of the best places you can get sushi in Merced. Uh, I'd recommend the sushi if I had to pick something to eat here. Not the best, but not terrible either, and they have a pretty decent variety to choose from. In my opinion, the teppanyaki is overpriced and not worth it at all. I, be, I guess you pay more for the show aspect of it, but at the end, all you have on your plate is some fried rice and meat. Definitely not worth 15 dollars I think I put it a star lower because of the service. The sushi took forever to come out, and it can get pretty hard to flag down a waiter or waitress, even though they don't look like they're doing anything productive. I mean, I'm reading so many reviews that say pretty much that. Some that go after the food, but most of them seem to say the food's either okay or good, and the service is awful. Uh, But there's even someone who gave one star, which is the lowest you can give on Yelp, but they actually put zero stars. And the funny thing is, Jerry actually responds personally to some of these reviews. If you look up a Pocket 8 Sushi and Grill in Merced, California, you'll see some. But here's his response to somebody on January 5th of this year. I won't bother to read the first review but uh, that he's responding to. But Hi, James. This is Jerry Yang, owner of Pocket 8 Sushi and Grill. First of all, I thank you for taking the time to write and offer your feedback. I sincerely apologize that my hostess accidentally gave your table away to another group that was not acceptable at all. So here we have another service fail there. Uh, we, do, we didn't have a bartender for a few days now because there was a loss in her family. She needed a few days off. I assure you now that we are doing what we can to exceed our customers' expectations. I mean, so it seems like all excuses. We don't have a bartender. We gave away your table. Like, it seems like it's a mess there. Uh, and then uh, the, the follow, the, I'm not going to read the rest of it, but at the very end he says, Have a blessed and prosperous new year. So, uh, you know, uh, and there's someone else who even complained that Jerry Yang himself was yelling at one of his employees in front of all the customers. And they, they found that uh, off-putting, which also doesn't remind me of the Jerry Yang that I thought I knew, but who knows. But 
yeah, uh, here's the review. This is back two years ago. Never again will I subject myself to poor service, rude people, and bad food. So, uh, it went on to... You can read some of these. A lot of negative reviews. They're not all negative, but... There's enough to where I think there's a lot of validity, especially to the service fail. I mean, I'm sh- you've seen all my stories on the forum when there's just ridiculous service fails and when you complain they get rude with you. And, and this totally seems like that type of a place. And You have uh, to send Robert Irvine down there. <laughs> Restaurant possible. And, get this uh, place fixed. Yeah, and I, I, I can imagine maybe Jerry Yang uh, sunk a lot of money into this thing. It's, maybe he sunk money in other places. Very easy to blow, you know, four million dollars over six years if you don't spend wisely, especially if you invest in businesses or start your own business. It's, it's very easy to throw that money away without having like a sports betting habit or a or, or a pit gambling habit or, or anything else like that, or, or playing super high limit game cash games. There's a lot of ways to blow that money, and you see it with athletes all the time. NBA athletes who made uh, tens of millions of dollars or hundreds of millions in their career. And, and and they're broke. Uh, rappers, uh, actors, actresses. You just see this all the time with people who made far more money than Jerry Yang ever did that are broke. Yeah, I, I saw a stat. It was like 70% of NFL players are broke by, by the time they're three years out of the league. And it's like 60% of NBA players are broke within five years out of the league. Yeah. Just, it's unbelievable. Yeah. So uh, It's the same way with poker players, though. So. You know? So, yeah, I'd say I, that number is probably higher with professional pro- poker players. Like, at some point, you know, to go broke or get in debt, whatever. Yeah. So, uh, um, Darkstar is actually impressed with Jerry Yang's responses. Uh, I, I, I'm not really criticizing his responses. I mean, uh, I have to give him credit <laughs> that he wasn't uh, that he wasn't rude. Like, I, I've seen it on Yelp before, where like the owner responds and gets defensive, like. Uh, well, you're just a problem customer. Well, you were expecting too much. Well, you were always trying, sending back your food. As soon as I see shit like that, I go, I'm never going to this place. Like when right. I see the owner arguing with the customers on, that, like, I'm like, on Yelp, I'm never setting foot. Like I actually had a place I was going to go to one time, looked it up on Yelp. I'm like, yeah, this looks all right. And then I see the owner fighting with someone there. I go, never mind. Goodbye. I'm not going in. Like, uh, uh, So I'll give credit to Jerry Yang for being polite, for, for pledging to try harder, for, for explaining things. But however... This doesn't happen at normal restaurants where people's tables get accidentally given away. The bartender takes a few days off because of family problems and they don't replace them with someone else temporarily. Like, like these are amateur hour things that should not be occurring. And and even if Jerry is nice about it and apologetic, uh, the place is still a fail. And, and you right. have enough incidents like this and people are not going to come back. Now, he's fortunate there's probably not a lot of competition for sushi in Merced, which is like an inland place in California. It's not exactly L.A. But uh, sounds like Jerry Yang's playing the role of Shane from Lock Poker. <laughs> no, he's a, you know he's not, at least Shane's other Shane's problem is not just that he's a corporate mouthpiece. Shane is rude to people. I, yeah. I, think, I think Jerry could actually learn from. I, I think Shane could learn from Jerry on this. I mean, Shane Shane is horrible. I, like yeah. you know, Shane took over Risen's job. You know, Eric Lynch, and I'll, I'll say one thing for Risen. Even though Risen did the same thing with you know, repeating the company lines and. Uh, and avoiding questions and all that stuff. At least Risen was always nice and respectful. Right. Shane is just a dickhead to everyone. Oh yeah, he'll but, just go off. <laughs> so, so is Risen was, still with them, by the way? Yeah, or yeah, no? he's the poker room manager, but they just decided to appoint Shane to uh, 
Okay. So just, just take the brunt of two plus two and just just be the asshole on two plus two and let Risen hide in the background. But, yeah, I'm uh, sure Risen just got to the point where he was like, "Look, I can't just keep you know. This is just ridiculous, you know." <laughs> yeah. Just by the way, Shane. Someone asked in the chat room, "Is is the Shane we're talking about? Shane Schlager? No, Shane Schlager is an American. He has nothing to do. He actually works for Poker Stars. Uh, sh- this Shane is Shane. I don't even know his last name. He's in Ireland, so uh, nothing to do with Shane Schlager. But anyway, uh, yeah, Jane. Uh, uh, sorry, Jerry Yang. I, I'd have to guess he probably is broke. That is his stuff. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to lie. I actually am tempted. I'm probably not going to do it, but I am tempted to go there. It's, it's Sacramento's not very close, but uh, I am tempted to go there on, on uh, April 4th and see if this stuff gets underbid. Like, like sometimes things like this, people don't realize their value. And uh, and underbid it, but but maybe with all the publicity, it'll it'll get uh, get. You know, up. Dave, you know, Dave Hester will be down there bidding <laughs> top dollar. So, but, yeah, probably like, be a waste of time. Yeah, like, but I, I wonder, uh, I wonder what the is this the stuff you could sell for a lot of money eventually, right? And yeah, for sure. I just don't. Yeah, for jewelry, this is going to be jewelry. You know, there's people that just scour for these auctions online just to see. You know what what stuff's going to go for. I mean, but yeah, you never know. It's worth a shot. Yeah, if it was, if it was in L.A. or something, I definitely go. It's just uh, Sacramento is is kind of hard to get to. Can you can you put the bid in online? You, no, you can mail it though. But the problem right. is, like mailing you, I don't know if this is. I don't think it's a silent auction. So like I could mail and just take a guess, but right. uh, unless I get lucky and like people super underbid it, I'm I'm, I'm just going to lose. So, right. or if I try not to lose, I'll probably overpay. So uh, here, let, let me. Uh, I'm seeing something post in the chat before we end this. Seven seven five fraud fifty five. Someone, uh, Jonathan Aguiar, who's always on Lock Poker's case, uh, uh, tweeted back to Tommy Felice, T Bone Poker says, uh, you know. Anyone want lock for carbon? <laughs> and then Jonathan Aguiar uh, retweeted this and says, uh, "Even Lock's own pros know they can't cash out." <laughs> <laughs> That's Hebo. That's and, you know, just Tommy Felice is one of their uh, one of their pros, and yeah, that's. I mean, it, it's a disaster over there, and. Uh, I wonder if we could give Jerry Yang a prank call at the restaurant. <laughs> they open. I could try eleven thirty or eleven fifteen. They're unlikely to be open. We can try. Let's see what we get. I mean, can't do worse than those fail calls we did earlier. So it's only up from here. Someone his, might pick up let's the call bar, Merced yeah, restaurant. Know. Actually, oh, no, never mind. They're open. Our, oh, sorry, I'm I'm wrong. They're they're closed. They're only open until nine. I thought I thought I saw two a.m. It was Monday through Thursday, eleven thirty to two p.m. and then dinner from four thirty to nine. But let's try anyway. We'll, we'll hear the. Uh, phone call. Uh, we'll hear the uh, voicemail, hopefully. Yeah, Jerry could be knocking him back at the bar, you never know. <laughs> oh, why I blow all this money? Why I so stupid? Three, three million. <laughs> Ten million. <laughs> why I blow 7.5 million? Uh, nothing happened. Let me try this again. Skype is such a fail sometimes. Oh, yeah. That was right. This is a long show, though. It's uh, 
Actually, not that long. Three and a half hours. Three and forty-five, whatever. I thought Ken was going to call me tonight. I have his Coachella tickets. Wheelchair accessible, at least. Good for kids, someone rated it. Does nobody have voicemail anymore? Is that, like, falling out of favor in 2013? I think it's done. I mean, I thought that was a staple now for every phone. I guess this is, like, 1975, where the phone just rings out. Goes forever. Yeah, I, I, like, how long has it been since that's been going on? Like, uh, you know, first it was answer machines on every phone. Now, now, then it became voicemail on every phone. Like, so, so now are we, are we back to the beginning where it just rings out if the person's not there? <laughs> I, that's what it seems like. I mean, even if those phone numbers I had on that list were bad, you'd think we'd get something with a voicemail on it, not just ringing out. Right. So weird, uh, the ringing out. I, I don't think I, I've had a phone that just rings out. With a... I st- I st- I still know my this kid that was my best friend up until about fourth grade, and then he moved to Maine from Massachusetts. And if you still dial that number, it just rings forever. Who pays the bill? I don't know. It just it'll just ring. I could give you the number right now, and you could dial it, and it, it'll just ring. <laughs> yeah, give it to me in, in Skype and uh, in the chat there. All right, the yeah, we'll chat. try it. I'm from the last time I tried this, it just. Uh, it just rang. Hold, hold you know, on this remind, reminds me of is that uh, I used to call this. Uh, it's not a party line. It was like a message system which had like two lines where you you post messages. It was it was like a forum except it's on the phone. And it was so. This was up for a number of years in the eighties and early nineties, and then it went down in like ninety two. And the weird thing was the dude left both phone lines just on and just ringing out for like eight years afterwards. And I'm like, why is this guy paying for two phone lines that he never uses that just ring out for eight years? That had to add up to a lot of money. I never understood it. And the weird thing was every so often he'd put the damn thing back up too. Like he'd he'd slap it back up for like a week every four years or so. And then take it back down. Really, really odd. This is even weirder. Someone said, oh, that's it. The it's over. The number you dialed is not in service. It's all over. Uh, it's all over. It's his over, mom, his, it's his, over his, now. His mom's finally like, you know, my son hasn't touched that phone in 30 years. That, I mean, as of a few bill. years ago, that, that number was still, it was still, it would just ring all the time. Um, I mean, there's a lot of people out there who just pay a phone bill every month because they're used to it and for phones they just never use. Right. It's weird. Like, they just get used to paying it. You, you think it defies common sense, but... Uh, some people I, I know get attached to phone numbers themselves and get scared that if they disconnect their number that maybe they'll want the number back one day right. and can't have it or or it's like letting go a part of their life like uh, you know uh, it's weird it's it's almost like uh, like you have a spouse that dies and you don't want to clear out their closet eventually of their clothes you want to pretend like they're still here like you just I think that may happen with phone numbers. Not even if just phone numbers of people who died, but just phone numbers that you once had that remind you of a happier time, or uh, right, right. That may, maybe that's it, or a mother whose son left home and uh, 
she misses her son. She misses her son being a kid, and she can't bring herself to disconnect his phone line. Uh, it's, it's something weird like that. I mean, you know, maybe that is it. Maybe it was there for him when he comes home, and he like never comes home. Right. A lot of uh, a lot of people do that with gym memberships too. People will pay gym memberships for like, and won't go for the longest time, and they'll be like, oh well, you know, I'll I'll go next week, or I'll you know I'll go, you know, I'm gonna start soon and. I know people that have done that and paid like uh, you know a couple hundred dollars a year in gym memberships, and they just don't go. It's like the stupidest thing in the world. Yeah, I I, I understand. I, I actually, uh, you know, I used to run a, a chat room in the '90s that actually made some money, not a whole lot, but uh, because I wrote the software for it, I was uh, I didn't want to take it down even when it totally died and there was no one chatting there anymore. Like there wasn't nobody, but like. People would come in there and like type a message, and then someone else would see it like days later and respond. Like that's that's how slow it was going. But like I, I didn't want to take it down, and I was just paying twenty five dollars a month to leave it up because I just didn't want to kill off the work I had done on it. And right. and, uh, and finally, I just uh, uh, moved it to like so I actually never took it down, but I actually just moved it to like some super cheap hosting that uh, um, that that wasn't going to co- that barely cost me anything. But uh, I, I can kind of relate to that. But it is weird to just leave a phone that's never used. That that I could huh. never do. I got a question. How much did internet cost? Like internet use in the nineties? How did that work? You know, it wasn't that, that expensive. Um, my so my first time on the internet was in at the very beginning of nineteen ninety one, January of ninety one, I believe. Uh, I got a, an account through my college. Uh, now there was no World Wide Web then. You you could not go to websites; they didn't exist. No websites and no website. Actually, website did exist, but uh, no websites, and uh, it, it was it was all text. But uh, prior to that, I, I was on BBSs, which are you know, computer bulletin boards where you just like dial with your modem directly into someone's computer. And uh, but. Uh, Getting back to your question, the first paid internet access I had, and this is after I uh, was no longer in college and didn't have those accounts anymore, was through Netcom. Netcom was one of the early internet service providers, and uh, you know it wasn't that expensive. It was it was like twenty five dollars a month, thirty dollars a month, and uh, it was actually unlimited bandwidth, or you, you weren't. Uh, some of the some of the places were not giving you unlimited data, but uh, Netcom was, and uh, Netcom had two versions. There was there was the uh, shell version, which was very similar to what uh, where you get a Unix shell, just like uh, I was used to at college. And then there was the new, uh, like web only version, where it, it just connects you directly to where you can connect to the web. And those were like the early websites, like back in ninety five, ninety six, and uh, but. Yeah, I was I was using I was on dial-up internet for for several years until I finally got a cable modem around like I, I don't know like ninety nine or two thousand. Before that, I was dialing in, and uh, uh, but it wasn't that much more expensive. At least if you, in fact, there were some really cheap ones. I remember uh, I lived with a girl in in the late nineties, and we had two phone lines. And, you know, when we both want to go on the Internet at the same time, we'd have to use each phone line. They'd both be busy. 
and uh, I had my Netcom account, and then I bought her some like really bargain account, which worked fine for like seven bucks a month, where she had unlimited internet for seven bucks a month. So, uh, someone says it's more expensive if you consider the speeds, but yeah, but the, you know everything was different then. You know, it's, uh, it's all relative to how it was. I mean, you get what you, you know, that's what that's all that was there. So, yeah. So, uh, but I've I've been online in in some way or another for twenty seven years now, and. Uh, you know, it's just always appealed to me, and uh, you know the the exact method I, I use online, whether it's uh, chat rooms or uh, or forums or BBSs or whatever. That you know that's changed over the years, but uh, um, there's always been some sort of like messaging element to it. Like there's always been some version of this forum sort of thing that I've always participated in, even going back to '86, back in uh, my my. BBS days when I was 14 years old. So, uh, I don't even know how we started talking about that. <laughs> anyway, we're, uh, we, we've covered everything. Uh, uh, you know, one, one thing that was a challenge back then, though, was, uh, uh, calling BBSs is when they weren't local to you. That was a tough thing when it wasn't a local call. You could rack up a huge bill or you could do illegal things to make you know, illegal phone calls and risk getting in trouble. So, uh, it's, it's very different than now where you can just connect to any website in the world for, for free. It's, uh, right. it's something I, even I take for granted now, but I forget how different it was in those old days. But AT&T knew it was coming. They did. Those commercials, that's crazy. You, you know what? Before I do that final end song here, uh, I, I want it, you just reminded me. This, this always amazed me. Uh, this was a 1993 commercial from AT&T You Will uh, that predicted a lot of things correctly for the next 20 years. And uh, here it is. Have you ever borrowed a book from thousands of miles away? So they're showing someone reading a book online, which you can totally do now. Across the country. Without stopping for directions. And it showed a GPS system directing people. This is a 93 they're showing these things. Now the the depictions that they're showing here are not completely accurate of how they actually look, but they can't get completely accurate. But they, they got that right too. Everyone's got a GPS in their car. Or sent someone a fax from the beach. Now, see, they're they're kind of wrong on that one because they were not realizing that faxes were going to mostly go away. Yes, people still fax, but uh, um, they they weren't realizing that uh, people were going to send emails that would replace faxes. They were showing someone using something that looks very much like an iPad, like. Uh, using that to send a fax. It looks very much like an iPad, actually. And uh, using that to send a fax, which, you know, in reality would be an email these days, but still pretty close. From the beach, you will. And the company that will bring it to you, AT&T. Have you ever paid a toll without slowing down? You know when you you, uh, you have those cards to pay tolls on the, on the road? 
that, that just takes it out of your card instead of having to throw change in. That that wasn't possible in '93, and they're uh, they're showing it right here again. The, the device they're showing is not accurate, but uh, you can do it now. Bought concert tickets from a cash machine. They're showing people buying concert tickets from a kiosk again. Totally done all the time now. Or tucked your baby in from a phone booth. Now, this is a funny one because it shows a woman going to a payphone with a screen on it and, uh, <laughs> and and seeing her kid. So they got the like the FaceTime thing right where, where people can now make calls to their children uh, when they're away. In fact, I, I do this with my baby, with Benjamin. I, I talk to him on FaceTime when I'm away. And, uh, in fact, there's, there's a cute picture that uh, my girlfriend took of Benjamin kissing me on the iPad. And uh, uh, so the funny thing is, it's through a payphone. When they, they didn't realize here in '93 that payphones were going to become obsolete. You will, and the company that'll bring it to you, AT and T. Have you ever opened doors with the sound of your voice? Now that never happened with with going up to a door saying I'm home and it recognizes your voice and opens and I I think part of the reason is because that's not a good idea. <laughs> like what if someone record your voice? Right. Like re- record my voice right now, everybody. In fact, it's recording anyway. I'm home. They're now you can break into my house. I think there's alarm systems though on cars like that. There are. I, I, you know, I've never seen that, but there might be. So I love, let's move on here. Car, car, please. Carried your medical history in your wallet. Your wife's going to be just fine. So, you know, that's really not going on either, but uh, I, I think that's somewhat due to, like, privacy concerns. So this is where we stand on the atrium. Or attended a meeting. I really like what you guys have been doing, but uh, in your bare feet. And they have a few other ideas. So they're showing someone, you know, again, using like a FaceTime-like thing to uh, do like telecommuting. Obviously, that's happening. You will. And the company that'll bring it to you, AT&T. Have you ever watched the movie you wanted to? The minute you wanted to. They're showing video on demand. Netflix. Learn special things. That's all taken from jazz. Now any questions from faraway places? Uh, showing online uh, courses, which are, are not as popular as, as many people would have predicted, but uh, still exist. So where did jazz come from? Good question. Or tucked your baby in. That's that same one about tucking the baby in from a payphone. <laughs> from a phone booth. <laughs> you will. And the company that will bring it to you. AT&T. You know, the sad thing is that Baby in that commercial could be playing the World Series of Poker this year. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's interesting that, you know, some of the things were pretty obvious that they guessed would happen, but they, they got some of them right on. And, and it's, it's also interesting to think about, you know, in 93, you couldn't do any of these things. That, that's why they put them in there. The people go, whoa, I can do that? Oh, I can buy concert tickets from a kiosk? I, I can go through a toll booth on the on the highway and not have to drop change in. I can, it can actually read a card. Like I, people did not have that in '93. These were like amazing things. Uh, some of these things only happened a few years later. Uh, but uh, it's also funny how they got in the, like that fax thing that they got 
the iPad thing so close. They yep. got it. We got it wrong about the fact, uh, the facts. But they 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 found something that was very similar to an iPad. It, it's funny how sometimes they stumble upon that when they show futuristic things. Sometimes they'll be way off, or sometimes they'll be half off. But sometimes they'll just happen to hit on something that's really close. Uh, I, I thought it was funny in the TV show Futurama, which is supposed to show the year three thousand. Uh, but they have a lot of things in the earlier episodes of that show that were made in ninety nine that. Are, have already you know, are shown in the th- year three thousand that have already uh, are already more advanced now than the, than they were in the show in three thousand. So like they show a TV like a standard TV with a tube, not a flat screen that they're watching, and most of the TV they're watching in the show back then looked like that, which is funny. It's supposed to be in the year three thousand, but in one episode back then they actually got it right and had a giant flat screen on someone's wall. But for some reason that wasn't the main TV they showed. It was always like a a regular TV with an antenna. So. Uh, and a tube. So, but yeah, some some of these uh, I have to give AT and T credit for correctly predicting a lot of these things, and that they did come true within a short period of time, and only a few of them they were totally off on. So uh, that was twenty years ago, and and sadly, when that commercial was made, I was old enough to drink or gamble. I could do both. <laughs> so that, that's how long I've been around. I was a uh, 21 when that thing was made. Uh, 41 now. But I know, you know, the the uh, I used to think there was a young audience for this show, but there really isn't. The, a lot of the people listening to this show are older than me. So when I say, hey, I'm 21 in, in, in 93, uh, like, a lot of the people listening aren't going, ooh, wow, you're old. They're like, yeah, big deal. I was 28 then. So, I, I, we actually have, I don't know what the average age for the audience of this show is, but I, I have to think it's a, it's got to be over 30, by well over 30. I would think it is now. There, there's uh, and a lot of a lot of people over 40 and 50 listen to the show, and I, I even wonder if the average age is older than me. It could even Yeah, you got to figure, I mean, 10 years, you know, you started doing radio, what, in 2005 or so? So, I mean, a lot of these people were already playing poker, so they got to be at least close to, you know, 30 or into their 30s, and then the people that were 30 then got to be, you know, heading into their 40s, so... Yeah, I, yeah, I, th- I think it's some of that, and I think it's some of just, uh, you know, who I managed to attract that uh, that may- maybe the shows I do a- a- appeal to an age group that's closer to mine, because they can relate to me better than people who are much younger, so... Though we do have, I do love our, our young listeners, like PLOL and, uh, and Biebs, I don't like how Beeb sends me friends requests, though. Or, sorry, game requests. Game requests. Yeah, yeah no, a friend request is okay. I made her my friend on Facebook. Just, uh, I have 17 requests from Beebs92 on on my Facebook to play Farmville and other crap. And she knows I don't want to play them. She just <laughs> bombards me with requests, just like uh, she does to Brandon too. I mean, it's just it's ridiculous. I I don't even answer these requests. I don't even decline them. Now, I, I could be a jerk and block her or something, but I'm not going to do that either. I'm just going to pretend it's not happening. So I, I like her otherwise. I just I just hate these Farmville requests. I'm never going to play Farmville. Yeah, or, I hate. I just delete people if I they mass request me with all that crap. I, I, I like. I once put a, a thing up on Facebook saying, "Please don't request me for these games." Like I put this whole thing up, and someone liked it, and then the same day they requested me, but not even as a joke. I think some of them just auto-do it, though, too. Yeah, I think that's what happened. Yeah. Like, the person who did it was not the type who would do it just to joke around to screw with me. This was, like, a kind of a serious person who wouldn't do that. So, I, yeah, I think they just uh, 
I, I hate to say it, but someone actually dated uh, in 92. That's what I get for adding ex-girlfriends to my Facebook. Anyway, thank you for listening. We will be back next week. One week from today, March 27th. Sorry, wrong. March 26th. 7 p.m. Pacific Time. I'd like to thank my co-host, China Maniac, for sitting in for this long four-hour show. Uh, always enjoy having my replacement co-host here during uh, Brandon's long hiatus. Uh, he will be returning soon. Someone said in the chat room next week. I, I wouldn't go that far, but uh, he had originally planned to return today, and that shows you that he really does want to come back and probably will soon. So that's why it's still the Drop and Drexel show but more recently, Druff and Friends. And uh, thank you, China Maniac. Thank you to all the listeners and everybody who stuck with this show for the time we've been on. Congrats to whoever won the free roll tonight. Thank you to all the people who donated. We'll be back next week, as always, doing the same thing. If you have any celebrity phone numbers, send it to me. Shalom. <laughs>